Henry got up um, the other day and was like, and I was like, are you all right? He goes, yeah, I was just making daddy noises. (laughs) I was like, come on, man. (laughs) Man, he really, uh, he really knows where to jab you. Yeah. He, uh, well, we've referenced before, um, like I wake up, you know, pretty stiff in the mornings and so he'll want to just hit the ground running and my buddy, I need to sit on the couch for a second and you know, I'll get up and he's like, you want to get in the bouncy house? And I'm like, I don't even know if I'm going to get socks on today. <laughs> like, that's where I'm at. I don't think I can reach my toes. Right. <laughs> like, I don't know if we're doing flips in the bouncy house Uh-oh. today. But, I, you know, I make I make noises. Yeah. I'll call them old, old man noises. Sure. It's, and I'm like, <clears throat> when I get up. And yeah. So he did that. And I thought, hmm. But he's not, I don't think he's online enough to make fun of me. Yeah. It's just coming from a genuine place of observation. Observation and adorably, in my opinion, um, He's mimicking. Yeah, because he loves you. Yeah. He wants to be like you. Like if I drink water, he wants to drink water. That's awesome. I'll start drinking. He's like, wait for me. (laughs) So when he's um, sick or congested, trying to get a kid to drink water regularly, it's challenging. Yeah. I think that's why they invented juice. Probably. Kids need liquid and let's add sugar to it and they'll they'll drink it. So I'll, I'll just, if I drink, I know he'll drink. So we wind up both just being unbelievably hydrated. It's great. If he's sick, <laughs> I just drink and drink and drink. So we'll set a little water timer for him. That's but, excellent. Yes. But your noise sitting down reminded me of. Yeah. it. I turned 30 and it's like there was a download. I went to sleep and there was a download of these new noises that are completely uncontrollable. Did you feel it in your body when you turned 30? Or I think I... I started having just an ongoing backache. Really? Yeah. And it's sad getting old. In some ways, yeah. In other ways, it's fantastic. It's really good. Yeah. Yeah, because you hopefully with that age comes some wisdom, and you can look back on your life at yeah some of your decisions and go, well, that was a good one. I'll do that one again, or that was terrible. But that physically, is, it's an interesting yeah. thing. It's interesting you bring that up. The comfort, the, like the 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 idea of thinking back on past decisions and stuff, and um, something that's brought me a lot of comfort, and something that me and Sarah will talk about is we'll look back and just cringe at at something that we did or said, yeah. you know, years and years. You know, the stuff yeah. that that you're about to fall asleep at night and all of a sudden your brain decides to remind you that you did that thing. Right. And the thing I've always told her is like, well, the reason why you cringe at that is because you've grown up since then. You're more mature since then. You know not to do that thing. So if you didn't cringe at that, then you'd be the same person that you were then. And so it's a good thing. Don't worry about it. You ever look at old photos of what you wore or hair hairstyle Uh, and, and go, wow. I don't think I'm far enough down the road no. to do that yeah. quite yet. Although, to be honest, stylistically, I don't feel like things are all that different. In fact, I honestly feel like my style now is, uh, is very similar. What would you call your style now? I don't know. Jeans and <laughs> and stuff. Jeans and stuff. Jeans and stuff. Sounds I don't like know. a small boutique store you're opening. <laughs> that does sound like that. That sells jeans. Okay, Sundays I wear I wear what? I wear plaids. I think like you wear all the time. too many clothes on Sunday. Really? You just, I would be so hot. It's true. I, I am a lot yeah. of the time. You layer up, and I think, like yesterday, after second service, I walked outside with, I was talking to some people, and they were mm. they were walking out, and I'm like, I'm not chasing you. I just want 
Yeah, <laughs> I just I want, want the some cold. fresh air. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was sweating like crazy yesterday. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah, I have I have days where that happens, but yeah. yesterday was not one of them. No. Yeah, hmm. I don't know why. No, I just felt. I, I think it's when it's super cold out. I just I want to wear my vest. I want to. You like to be cozy. I do. I'm, yeah, I'm a kind of a what do they call it? A freeze baby. When you wake up in the morning, you're just like so cold. You just need to be bundled up. I have three blankets that. I'm always, when I sleep, I have one that I'm using, mm-hmm. and then I have two more on the floor. Mm-hmm. I'm giving you some insight as to how nuts I am. Okay. <laughs> I have two on the floor next to the bed. Yeah. And throughout the night, I will make blanket changes. Because You're a freak. my body temperature. <laughs> Are they like different? They're one's different. a sheet. Okay. One's a lightweight uh, like blanket. Yeah. And then one is a alternative down. Yeah, okay. So it's heavy, heavy duty. Yeah, it's like a I big rarely pull out like the that. the heavy duty one. Yeah, I normally go between the the sheet and the brown blanket. But you like having those. Well, cold temperature drops at at night, and I'm such a light sleeper. I, I feel like if my body temperature changes like two degrees, I'm up for some reason. That's crazy. Yeah, been- I, I I remember. <laughs> so this is funny. I'm about to tell you that for me, mm. I like to feel the weight of a couple blankets on me. Oh, okay. Like yeah. I just, I don't know. It's it's really comfy to they me. They have weighted blankets. It's funny you say that because I remember a time like, I don't know, 12 years ago, we were sitting at your condo mm-hmm. and with a group of people. And I yeah. mentioned that and you're like, oh, you kind of poked fun at me. Yeah. Well, that sounds um, like me. Yeah. And it, it sounds like you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And you I'm said something, but you said something it. similar. You, I know. <laughs> After what you comes said out of your something mouth now. similar about like, wow, Jared, you need like a bowling ball to keep you like weighted down to the bed, like you're gonna float away or something. I was like, that's a weird jab, but it's also funny. Yeah, I, I, that doesn't sound like a Neil joke, but I bet there's it, something. It was something yeah. along those lines. I'm probably misremembering right. it. Your yeah. joke was probably wildly better. Something about me being light probably as a feather, better. floating off of the bed, and needing the weight to hold me down, or something More, like that. Yeah, that's yeah. I'm sorry. No, why are you saying sorry? Well, I'm remembering our friendship I don't know. from. <laughs> Through the ages. I feel like you've held this in your back pocket for the last 12 years and you moved from Texas just to have this moment. Well, I needed this closure. <laughs> well, it's been Here's my resignation. That's all, that's all this was no, all we about. Have, we have a pre-signed resignation for I know, that's right. It's waiting on my desk when I get back. Yeah. <laughs> Weighted blanket, like that sounds, I also don't, I don't like being confined. What do they fill those with to make them weighted though? Is it, it's not sand. It's, I don't That'd know. be like a sandbag. It'd yeah. Like, well, yeah. I don't, I don't know. Is it like one of those things you wear for an x-ray? Listeners, <laughs> if you know what's inside a weighted blanket, let us know. Let us know. Should we welcome them? Let's do it. All right. Welcome to the Atrium, a Hope Christian Church podcast. I'm Jared, creative arts pastor here at Hope Christian Church. And I am Neil, lead pastor here at Hope Christian Church. And today is episode eight. eight. Can you believe it? I, I can't. I That's, feel like we say this after. <laughs> I know. Well, it's becoming even more unbelievable it really the, long, the longer they let us do this. <laughs> uh, I, <laughs> we're getting away with it for right. so long. Who's they? <laughs> I don't know. You know, they. 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 We, that's a, <laughs> the powers that be. The, the powers. I'm surprised God's letting us do this. <laughs> Maybe yeah. that's why. I mean. yeah. The three persons of the Trinity. They. The Trinity. <laughs> He's right. like, I'm going to shut this down. Yeah. yeah. So... I'm excited to be here with you once again. It's earlier. We're doing this earlier. It today. is. And I'm feeling a unique tiredness from Sunday. Yeah. You know, when we did our first episode, it was actually Tuesday morning. And so we had kind of the Monday of recovery. Sure. And then we decided to move it up to Monday. Um, so a little insight for you. We record on Mondays. But usually it's in the afternoon when I've had time to like kind of wake up, have a couple yeah. meals, that kind of thing. So 
I'm feeling uniquely tired today. One, because I've had some kind of allergies or something going on. Yeah. Like yesterday at church, I don't know. <laughs> if any of you listeners were at first service, you'll hear my voice crack, and it was a lovely experience <laughs> What song for was all it on? Us. I can't remember if it was Jesus Paid It All or His Mercy Is More. I think it was Jesus Paid It All. It was like, Jesus Paid It All. Yeah. You know, it was something oh, yeah. along those lines where I'm just yeah. like, eh. Whatever. What can you do? <laughs> Nothing. Yeah. I don't care. <laughs> it's just it's stuff yeah. happens and it's yeah, we're all that's people. Challenging. Have you had the moment where you you feel like you have to burp? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and you're in but you're not at a point where you can take a break right? vocally. So you're <laughs> well, just kinda like, Man, I really hope the Lord doesn't let this one slip out. I've I've I read I think I read somewhere, I might be making this up that I think uh, Kenny G, you know, he plays mm, yeah. that. Yeah. What does he play? What is that? Sax. Is it a sax? It's a yeah, type it's a of sax. sax. It's okay. a saxophone. But he can do this circular breathing thing where he can hold hold the note and somehow he's breathing and breathing. I don't know. I might be making all this up. But as I've preached over the years, I'll read these long sections of scripture and it just seems like inevitably I'll have some type of burp that will need to come out yeah and i and I, but i haven't figured out how to do it so i'll i'll be reading like the word of the lord is living an active ending <laughs> <laughs> and so i'll, I'll yes. like breathe in oh my in gosh this moment and there's no see like if you're singing you can be singing and you, you sing it out and then you can move away from the mic yeah like, as, it, like it just did and then just so you know every time a singer does that they're burping Right, right, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, it's that or lift a shout of praise. That's uh, right. Is either a capo change, yep, or <laughs> that's good. That's good. Yep. You sing it as mostly. I forgot the lyrics. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, I've done that yeah. before. Um, but I've I, I don't have that. The microphone is. I have the headpiece. It's connected. You can't like. No, move there is your no. Away, there yeah. is no moving it at all. And so yeah. I have to do this and kind of do that. <laughs> just kind of swallow that burp. <laughs> No, it's awful. So when yeah. you take a break and just let it pass out of your nose. Right. I can't be like, you read it. <laughs> <laughs> you, right. you read that scripture. You just got to be like. <clears throat> right. you know. oh. oh, sorry. I had to, had to cough. I've had those moments where my voice has been super dry, though, mm. and I have to drink water mm-hmm. in the microphone. Yeah. And it just sounds like a fish tank. I have made fun of preachers in the past, and you haven't been one of those, but they'll usually have the crinkliest water bottle. <laughs> yeah. They're like, gotta take a drink. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's you like know, the... it sounds like that. <laughs> it's something obnoxious. And it's I, just like, I power up same in, thing. on that ramp. I'm chugging on the ramp. And oh, I'm yeah. You're helping. like eating a full meal and stuff. Like, I've seen you right eating beforehand. oatmeal and stuff. Back. Yeah. I can't do that. Yeah. If I eat before I sing, the burps. Really? Uh, this is gross, but it's true. I mean, uh, come on. Like everyone knows this I happens drink to a everyone. protein shake before I That's go crazy. And it's it's plant-based, so yeah. it's all it's pea protein, like green pea protein. Yeah. So, it's a um it's a gas-inducing <laughs> I would say yes. protein. Yeah, um, there you go. But yeah, it doesn't seem to bother. I eat pretty benign, pretty simple sure. and plain on Saturday nights and yeah. then Sunday mornings is like a banana a kind bar and a, yeah. and a protein shake and then yeah. yesterday I had a little bit of coffee. I was feeling a little tired. Interesting. Um, and yesterday, I had a feeling I was going to get ramped up a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> just based on the topic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and I did. And yeah. so I thought, well, a little bit of extra energy. You would, did. It was good. Help. Yeah. Was I great. thought your voice sounded great yesterday. Thanks, man. Did an acoustic set yesterday. If you yeah, did, it was if fun. If you haven't watched the um, the sermon yet. I'm trying to get people used to the fact that we could do acoustic sets 
when even when we do have people available to play. Right. I've had a lot of people come to me like, was everyone sick? I'm like, right. No, this was intentional. <laughs> I got I, I heard nothing but great feedback. But oh, yeah, great. it seemed it seemed like people were like, oh, you know, the band, you couldn't get a full band or you couldn't. And like, no, everybody was available. Yeah. I, I, I appreciated it because part of the drive of the series is to slow down. And there's exactly. just something nice um, about that mm-hmm. acoustic set and two voices yeah. that does just kind of slow, slow us down a little the bit. The other thing, too, for me is I want our worship volunteers, the people who are playing, that kind of thing, to be able to take a break every once for in a sure. while. And yeah. so, certain positions like drums, um, uh, electric guitar, like th- different positions like that where we don't have a super deep bench. A lot of those musicians end up playing quite often. Right. So it's good to just be able to give everyone a, a week off just to come to church, just to be able to worship without feeling like they have to be on. Right. You know what I mean? It's nice, too, because, you know, um, when you do that acoustic set, you can hear the congregation mm-hmm. a little bit more. Oh, that was lovely. Which, you know, worship is not. It's intended God needs to hear us, and we need to be singing out. You know, yeah. hearing one another sing is just a... Um, I would say just a benefit. That, it is, that, yeah. You know, I mean, can, scripture can, talks about that. Of sure, you know, we sing uh, hymns, psalms, and spiritual songs, songs to, to each another, other, yeah. and for the building up of the body. Right, and that's one of the ways that historically the church has practiced theology is by teaching it through song. One of the reasons why it's important we uh, think about the songs that we sing on Sunday right. morning. So we talked about this before, and we'll talk about it more in depth at some point. But yes, I think it's time for our favorite segment: meet and greet. But up, up, up. Rachel asked me, she's like, you can't keep doing that. I think you should at this point. I think like, she's... There's the expectation. I think it'll feel like the <laughs> podcast is kind of going downhill if you stop doing that. <laughs> like we're letting ourselves go. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm, I, but I got to keep the peace at home. That's true. Is she asking you not to do it? She just asked, are you going to keep doing that? Was she implying that she was hoping that you'd say no? Big time. Wow. I think so. Well, you can tell her to use that little fast forward button. I don't know. We we get Rachel on the podcast. Let's just ask her. <laughs> Interrogate her. <laughs> now, what is your problem with that? What is your position on the ba 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 Theologically, where are you at? Someone, oh, who was it? In in what way was it? Uh it's probably well, it's gotta be one of our listeners, so they'll they'll remember this. This past week, someone saw me and did that song. Like they did the ba da ba ba. Really? Like, yeah. Dude, that's amazing. There's no way we're not getting sued by McDonald's. Yeah. You guys got to keep this on the hush. Once we hit one million listeners. Yeah. <laughs> so so there's a big there's a big chance we're not going to get sued. By yeah. I, I feel safe by you saying that. If that's the standard, yeah. I don't think we'll ever be sued. I have nothing to back that. <laughs> that would be uh, something else. Anyways. Okay. Question for you. Sure. You have to sing karaoke. I do. You do. Yeah. What song do you choose? Ah. <sighs> So right now, I would say Living on a Prayer by Bon Jovi. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Not because I can sing it, but because this song has been playing in my head for weeks now. Really? Yes, because um, my son Henry's a... Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think I can say he's a drummer. (laughs) Yeah. I think I can say that. He's a drummer. And... He's been, you know, learning songs. And so that's one of the songs that is... um, a, a great song to learn on the drums. And, yeah. you know, we talked about this in the Grace series about music glorifying sin and, mm-hmm. um, you know, containing sin as far as it related to movies and music and right. all that sort of stuff. And that you can enjoy some secular music. And sure. I looked into that song, and from everything that I found, it didn't seem to be a song that was glorifying sin. 
Well, it says the word prayer, so it's got to be a Christian <laughs> yeah. song. You you wouldn't be surprised, but there so many churches have played that. Worship teams have played that. I'm sure. I think that's always kind of been a bit a bit of a pet peeve yeah. for me. It's like this is it's not a Christian song. Yeah, it's not what is JB, that what church is for? JBJ. <laughs> That's John Bon Jovi. Yeah. So that song has been in my head. I don't think even Bon Jovi now. I think he's sixty. Yeah. He's in his sixties. He can't sing that song the same the same way. Dropped it like four steps. (laughs) I watched a a live video of it. I think it was from nineteen eighty eight, eighty nine, right around there, of him singing it live, and it's just unbelievably high. And this was there were no in ear monitors, then you know earbuds didn't exist. I mean, these were wedge monitors totally. and he's running around like a madman on the stage. It's crazy. Amplifiers are blasting. And right. He's somehow hitting those notes. And yeah, Rachel and I, and we listened to it yesterday. We were driving to, we were going to go to crumble cookie. Ooh. Have you heard of this? I have now. Okay. It's a new cookie place okay. over um, by Levin furniture, right up Ooh. the street. Um, oh yeah. Nagel across from Meyer. Yeah, yeah. And, um, Brittany Swidrack mm-hmm. had uh, recommended crumble cookie to Rachel, and okay. Sunday's our uh, nutrition break day, and so we thought we were going to go there. Turns yeah. out they're closed on Sunday, uh, and neither Rachel nor I had the presence of mind <laughs> look up store hours. Yeah. Was that like a Chick-fil-A kind of thing, or was it just... I don't know why they're closed on Sundays. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. Um but we were going to, we had to go to the grocery store anyways. Needless to say, we get in the car and Andrew's like, can we listen to some music? Yeah. And I'm like, what do you want? You want worship music or do you want, um, he's got a drum playlist. And so we drum playlist. And so yeah. Living on a Prayer came on. And I told Rachel, I'm like, when you write a song like that in the 80s and you go back and you listen to it in the studio, like it's all done, vocals are done mm-hmm. and you listen to it, you just have to know you've, you've created an, an unbelievable hit Oh, for sure. That will be sung for generations. I think about that so often. What at, What is that feeling of you're sitting there, it's done, you're listening to it, and you're like, yep, it's done. This is the final cut. I don't know when that song came out. I'm going to look it up real quick. Because, I mean, it's it's got to be a 40-year-old song. Yeah. 80, maybe, maybe 30-year-old 84, song. 84, 85, 86, somewhere in there. But you write a song like that, and you, I mean, it's just so that... Oh, yeah. And everybody's just singing it. It's like an anthem. It is. It's 86. Yeah. And you were you were mentioning like watching him do it like live back in the day, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, it's 36 years. It's crazy. Yeah. It's got to like, you know, it's one of those things you look back and kind of almost wish you could have been there just to like feel the energy of the crowd. And like, yeah. what was it like to actually be there for in, in a moment like that for a song like that? Because I can't think of a song today that's quite like that. And maybe it's just because my my tastes are so different from yeah, yeah. what modern music is, is right is, now. Is. Yeah. No, I get it. Um, you know, so maybe there's someone today who's like, "Oh yeah, there's a song like that for me today." It's and so different it's true, today but, because you know, we're driving in the car and Henry's like, "I want to hear Living on a Prayer." And yeah. he gets it. Yeah. You used to have to wait on the radio, right. wait for it to get played. Yeah. And they and they have, you know, obviously playlists and mm-hmm. things, and you're just waiting and waiting and waiting. All yep. of a sudden, it came on, and it was just like that reach over to turn yep. it, turn it up. Yep. And now it's just everything's just right. So to, oh, to yeah. be driving in 1986, yeah, and to like that song mm-hmm. and, to, and to be in your car and to hear that come on and just ha- it was like that, just yep. that epic. I remember epic you moment. call the station, request the song, yeah, and then you wait with your cassette player ready. Yeah. 
you had to get the the combo where the cassette player is in the radio. <laughs> right, and then you that record way you it. Can yeah. Hit record, yeah. and then you can listen to it whenever you want. I used to do that. That was Spotify for us. That was. <laughs> that was early Napster. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> and then you make copies and distribute and then, it to your friends. Yeah, that's that's right. You make a, a mixtape. Yeah. Well, now it's mix. Well, it was mix CD. Now it's a mix playlist. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Sarah, yeah, maybe, living, did, living on a prayer. Yeah. I think that's what I would karaoke. Did you ever make like mix CDs for your friends or mixtapes? No. No? No. Sarah made me a mix CD once really? in, in high school mm. and it was in 10th grade and I knew that I, I was just like, I need this person in my life forever. No one has ever made me a mixtape and I've never made anyone else a mixtape. Do you want a mixtape? I don't. I could I could make you a friendship mix playlist. <sighs> Maybe. And just call it Jared and Neil. We'll see. Number four ever. <laughs> Number four ever. Yeah, we get the best friend necklace. <laughs> I'll have the best and you can have the friend. That's right. And then we can put Every them time together. we get together. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> just do that's that. Right. Listen to our playlist. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's fantastic. Okay. Living on a prayer. Yeah. That's great. Okay. Next question. Yes. And this is the last question. Okay. If you could live... At another time in history, what would you choose? Without a doubt, I would want to be alive when Jesus is alive. Okay. Are you taking the Jesus away again? I just feel like that's <laughs> such an easy, low-hanging, like, oh, yeah, I want to be alive when Jesus is alive. I get it, but that just seems... So let me get this right. Listeners, Jared said Jesus is low-hanging fruit. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that I know, choice. I'm just kidding. You're I, living on a prayer, buddy. Okay. <laughs> Jared used to have a podcast. Okay. So you would want to live, obviously, you'd want to see Jesus. Yeah. Be like, what's up? Yeah. But you, I guess. <laughs> Is that what you think I would say to Jesus if I met him? <laughs> <laughs> hey, what's, hey, what's up? What's up? <laughs> I like that book you make in the future. <laughs> like, Is that what you think? No. Oh, my okay. goodness. <clears throat> I, it just occurred to me, though, like, would you be transported where you want to be in that time period or would you be right exactly here at that time in history? Because you'd have no way to go see Jesus if you were transported to, like, you know, 30 A.D. I'm not but you're still a, I'm in not writing America. a script with you. I'm right just now. curious. <laughs> I, it just got me thinking. OK, so you would go and see Jesus. Big time. <laughs> I get it. OK, that's great. Yeah. That's Okay. I think what I would do, though, is I think I would want to be, and this sounds crazy, but I think I would want to be one of his apostles. Yeah. And so I'd try to befriend, like, you know, Peter and, and hey, you know, fish. <laughs> I can't just try to insert yourself into the scenario. I'm trying to insert myself into the scenario, and I'm like, Jesus is walking by. I'm like, hey. Hey, look at how I'm fishing for fish. Do you think I should fish for something else? Right. Should I fright? <laughs> I would. Like, I know this sounds crazy, but like, can you imagine being dis able to sit? And we will. Yeah, for sure. Oh, I would do that. Well, okay, there's so, that. Okay. So you're taking that away. That's, okay. And I'm, that's fine. I'm sorry. I just, I don't know. No. Like that, that seems like the, uh, no, I, I don't want to downplay that. Now I feel guilty. <laughs> I'm just messing <laughs> I with you. Now I feel bad. Right. That's such a great answer. No, no let of me course. give you a, a non-spiritual answer. Okay. Um, I think I would, so I have to go back in, in time? It, you don't have to. Okay, I could go forward? If you want to. Is there something you're, you think would be interesting to be around to witness? Like something being invented or... So I enjoy modern conveniences. Right. So I, I really have no interest in... Let's say you don't... Maybe let's change the... Um, 
the question. So instead of like living at that time, just getting to visit. Let's okay. say you, you have a time machine. You get to vi- visit and see something in person. Hmm. Future or past. So you definitely visit Jesus for obvious reasons. Yeah. I think that's what I would, I would do. For otherwise. Sure. I think otherwise. I think I would go back to like. I don't. I, I guess I don't really know. Like you're a history guy. I know. See, so, this is yeah. You're right. Uh, you, that, and that's where my so brain thinking is about like all asking this, questions about this that history and all of that's interesting. Totally t- to me. But but yeah, like I'm thinking just of. I don't know. Like it. I think it'd be cool to see my parents when they were young. Yeah. I think that would be cool. like a Back to the Future kind of thing. Kind of like a Back to the Future. Not quite because that gets a little weird in right. that movie. But I'd like to. That'd be interesting. Yeah. I don't know. My dad was in the Air Force. And his, see what he was about. Yeah, yeah. Too. You know, I'd like to see my mom, yeah. you know, at that age. and Yeah. And just be like, but them not know. Yeah. And, hey, like, this guy, he looks familiar. And all of a sudden you show up and <clears throat> your mom is like innocently but still weirdly kind of like, who's this guy? Calvin, <laughs> Calvin Klein? <laughs> well, wait a second. <laughs> well, we're talking about Back to the Future now, <laughs> oh, right? right? And then, right, you, yeah. then you got to get your parents together. <laughs> right. Or else you and your siblings disappear from the picture you have in your pocket. I think it'd be fun to see my my grandpa, my yeah. grandma too. That'd be cool. Um, yeah, my grandma's ninety four now. Yeah, and so to go back, you know, when she was like sixteen, seventeen, mm-hmm. and watch them. And, it's so interesting when you look at those old pictures of them too, because yeah. you can see pictures. I'm assuming you probably have at least one or two pictures oh, of sure. them yeah. at those ages. Yeah, and you're. It's hard to imagine them at that age, though. Yeah. You know, it's like they're still old, you know, but to go back and actually see how they were personality wise and everything and yeah. even just like immature and stuff would be right. so interesting. Yeah. yeah, it'd be fun to I see. I agree them. with that. Like by the time I really started to pay attention to my grandma and grandpa and what they were saying, they had so much wisdom and maturity under them. Yeah. And, you know, I wouldn't say that they were silly people. They had great senses of sure. humor. Yeah. But <clears throat> to see them goofy and, you know, young and just mm-hmm. moving quickly, I think that would be a fun thing yeah. to, to see. Interesting. Yeah. That would be fascinating to see because we probably know maybe our, you know, a lot about our grandparents, <clears throat> maybe some about our great grandparents. Yeah. But like who, who was, who, what were they like? What were their families like? You know, it's yeah. interesting. Family lines are really interesting to me. Yeah. And I've not spent any time looking into mine and I've been thinking about it a lot lately. Rachel and I've talked about that. I think it's ancestry yeah. or mm-hmm. com or something like that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Where you can like yeah. get your genetics and stuff done and figure out. Yeah. <laughs> Rachel said, she was like, what if I did that? And my dad wasn't my dad. Yeah. I that, was like. This is also a movie. <laughs> like so many people in my life want to talk about movies. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> They're hoping I bite on one of them. I think. Yeah. And I was like, "Well, you, I don't think it would change anything." Yeah. You know, you're you can you know biology is not the determining factor of you know parent sure. or guardian. So sure. Okay. Yeah. Well, that was meet and greet. It Shall was. we continue on in our journey to? <laughs> <laughs> Squeaky. squeaky hand. It was. Today's a weird day. It is. I'm still thinking about that. The what you were talking about, going back and seeing Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. It was good. Thanks, man. Uh, yesterday, you talked about Jesus being the door. Yeah. And uh, why don't you uh, talk talk through that a little bit? How how did the day go? How was it for you? Yesterday was um, one of the things that I talked about 
you know, at the front end of this series was, you know, wanting to shift that focus yeah. off of examining ourselves. But yesterday mm-hmm. it was unavoidable. Oh, for sure. And I'm not such a, I would say, slave to the purpose of the series to miss an opportunity for perhaps correction and rebuke sure. and repentance um, in our lives based on God's word. And so as the sermon was getting pieced together, and I would say I very much fell into that category of probably the majority of the people in the church where the Good Shepherd, and you're going to share on the, the Good Shepherd this yep. this Sunday, and yeah. Light of the World, Way, Truth, Life, Resurrection, these are all I am statements that we're very familiar with, even yeah. if we didn't know that they fell into this category of seven I am statements right. of Jesus. Yeah, yeah. But the door, the gate, is not one that winds up on a coffee mug like we mm-hmm. like we talked about. So I knew that this would be new information, which is why I spent time going back and talking about what kind of door Jesus is referring to. Yeah. And it's such a testament to how culturally relevant Christ's preaching was. And I think that yeah. that's uh, an important thing for us to keep in mind, particularly as we go through our questions today. Oh, yeah, today. for sure. And so explaining those different sheepfolds and what that door was. And I was so excited to put all of it together over the last couple of months because it's so simple, but it all just fits together so so nicely. Yeah. And you start to get that imagery of what a shepherd was, what he, what he did, what a sheepfold was. And that's language yeah. that he uses a lot. I mean, yeah. Jesus even... I mean, go to Revelation, right? The lamb. Yeah. He's the sacrificial lamb. Right. So this is language we see in Scripture from the beginning to the end. Yes. And it's language, <clears throat> excuse me, for us that we're just, it's just language for us. We, mm-hmm. we haven't lived it. I don't know anybody that owns sheep. Now, I know people do, right. certainly. Yeah. But that's not that's not my experience in yeah. Avon, Avon, like in Westlake, is that people have sheep folds. Right. <laughs> and they're storing sheep. Yeah. So... I was excited to share that information with people because I thought it would help us understand and appreciate, you know, the relevancy of, yeah. of Christ, yeah. not only in that culture, but when we understand it, how how it just applies to us today mm-hmm. as well. But there was certainly no way to avoid the self-examination yeah. of going, okay, the door lets the sheep in, the door keeps the sheep in. And the door keeps things out. Mm-hmm. And so I kept going, what is, what does Jesus protect us from? He protects us from the evil one. You know, Thessalonians tells us that. Why the evil one? Because the evil one wants to devour us. Well, how can Satan really devour us? Well, he's going to do it through our, our sin. But the door provides a way out of the sin. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, bringing it all back to, you know, you got to knock on the, on the door. So, I was really excited to share that because it was very simple, very applicable, and I thought it was a great time for us to examine, but then a a great way for us to really thank Jesus for providing that way of escape for us. And that's not, like, I I don't know about you, but sometimes I begrudgingly 
fight my sin. Right. <laughs> I'm like, all right, I'll take the way of escape yeah. because I've got those desires to, yeah. to, you know, be envious or filled with pride, lust, whatever it is. I have those, those tendencies, those sins of the flesh that are just, mm-hmm. I'm born with because, you know, sin entered the world through Adam and that just is perpetuated uh, right. for everyone that's been born after that. And mm-hmm. so uh, to sit in it and thank Jesus for that is almost um, counterintuitive in a, in a way, certainly to my sin nature, but to how I really feel sometimes. Yeah. And, and I thought, oh, I'm probably not alone in yeah. this. And then I also thought about all the escape routes that I haven't taken over the years and the escape routes I'm still not taking. And so it was a kind of a dual purposed sermon to help us again, appreciate and sit and be actually be thankful that Jesus is like, Hey, you know, you got a problem with this. You just, you got to do this. And I never want to take away from the power of prayer and the power of, of miracles. Certainly that's there. And, and we see you've experienced them. I've experienced them. We've seen them happen in our own lives. But I think sometimes we don't, we're not proactive enough mm. in our faith. We'll just, we'll pray, Jesus, you know, take this away. Yeah. And I always imagine these conversations with Jesus. And if I went back in time and met him, I'm sure they wouldn't be how I imagine them. But I, when Jesus talks to me in my head, and that sounds crazy, and I don't hear the voice of the Lord, and that's not what I'm saying. I imagine what Jesus might say sure. if I were to have a conversation with him. Yeah. And my Jesus in my head is very direct, kind of like I am. <laughs> and, and so I'll be like, you know, I really want to stop this. And I just go, well, dummy. <laughs> like, I've, <laughs> like I've shown you this a hundred times. Like yeah. just, just do it. And it was interesting yesterday, Rachel said yesterday, she's like, I'm, I was surprised that people were so into the sermon uh, second service in particular, you know, they were, they were taking breaks to applause, which is always interesting because I know they're not applauding for me. They're applauding the truth of God's word. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they did that mid sermon and then they did that at the end. And she said, I'm surprised because it was such an in your face sermon because there were moments yesterday where I'm like, you know, we walk around like, oh, I don't know what to do. <laughs> and, and that was me being Christians. <laughs> and it, like, it's coming out of my mouth. And I knew uh, I was going to do that. I know some of it on Sunday seems improvised, but it's it's yeah. not. I think it, a lot of people sit there and just like, eh, I'm being insulted right now. <laughs> oh, this is great. <laughs> it's, like a, it's like a spiritual roasting yeah. in, a, <laughs> in a sense. But I hope people know me enough by now. And if they're new to the church, they they wouldn't. But I think you got to come here two or three times to see that this is just like I'm not I'm not hovering above this stuff. Right. I'm, I'm not like yeah. that's me. Like yeah. when I'm doing that, that's a version of myself. I don't know what to do. <laughs> and I try to equate it to working. Out. I don't know how to eat right. I'm pretty sure you do. Yeah. Like you know, fast food isn't good. Don't eat it. Yeah. I walk around like, well, am I not losing weight? <laughs> <laughs> so it's that same thing. And and I shared Rachel's sentiment. Because it was in that six to seven minute pocket, really mm-hmm. kind of in 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 our face yeah. as Christians. But our body is resilient, and one of the things that I hear so often from people is, "Don't stop preaching the hard stuff." 
which is sad that we say that yeah because like no one should ever avoid the the tough parts of scripture and the self-examination but it's always striking that balance of reminding people and i tried to do it yesterday that this is not salvific in nature because the last thing i want people to do is walk out of here and go well if i don't take the way of escape then i'm not saved Mm. no we want to talk about the grace and the mercy of our lord um (laughs) had a sassy moment yesterday and i think i'd shared you know a couple of weeks ago maybe you and i just private conversation we've tried to figure out henry's currency what's going to help him fall uh in the category of being obedient right to his mother and you know me as his father and we've done we've taken stuff away we've done timeouts and Mm -hmm. We tried spanking, and and I know everybody has opinions on all of that. Sure. Um, but yesterday Henry was in trouble, and he <laughs> and I got home from church because it, it happened when he was here at, at church. And I said, when we get home, I said, you know, we're gonna have a talk. And what, as soon as I walked in the door, he's like, "Hey, Daddy," and I'm like, "Yeah." He's like, "Can I have mercy?" <laughs> and my heart about broke. Yeah. Um, and so I think you know. It's it's great for us to know that the mercy is there, mm-hmm. that but at the same time, uh, that mercy covers our our sin and the penalty for sin. Yeah. When it comes to Christian living, we we need to do things. Yeah. We we need to to do our part. And how all of that works, that's above my pay grade. That's yeah. one of the things I would love to ask Jesus: is what how does that relationship between the Holy Spirit that indwells us work with you know limited free will free will we'll just use those terms yeah how does that all work together (laughs) i don't get it but i know that i can't just sit and just wait for the ship to come into the shore right sometimes i need to dive in the water and start swimming no that's swimming well even i I can't remember where it is uh i think it's paul who who says that god's mercy is meant to lead to repentance yeah it's meant to have an effect that leads us to action. Yeah, and that's what we talk yeah, about. Corinthians is, 7, I think that is. Uh, we talk about our actions being evidence of something that's already happening inside of us <clears throat> and in our hearts and stuff. And so it's not that our, you know, going back to that conversation between like, is it, is it, is it just your, your faith in Jesus or is it your works? Like what, what justifies, right. you know? So yeah. it's interesting. Um, and, and it is. I mean, we know from, from Paul that faith is what justifies. And we know from James that works is what, proves you have faith mm-hmm. and we know from jesus we'll talk about that in a couple of weeks and the sermon after yours we're gonna we're gonna take a look at you know john 15 jesus says i am the vine yeah and he goes on to say some i that's just such a yeah meaty yeah <laughs> section yeah um so yeah. yeah so that was that was yesterday and that's i good. and it seemed to be well received and i'm absolutely it um i hope it I hope that we are actually doing these these things yeah. that we're actually stopping and trying mm-hmm. to pause and yeah. you know not doing it while we're driving or you know just making time to yeah. to just sit in those things and thank God for those things. Yeah. So, but as as expected, as we've been talking about, you know, we're not getting many questions about this series itself, right? But we're still getting questions about. Some of the gray stuff yeah, and just other things. Yeah, in the general. pattern. The pattern has been that the questions come later. So I, right. part of what I'm expecting is that there will be some follow up questions so, to the series, but it'll be yeah, it'll be down the road a little bit as people have time to think through and kind of process, like you're saying. So, yeah. which leads us to our questions today. Yes. So, first question is this: 
since we've started attending, uh, all sermons have been topical-based. Uh, with knowing your value of reading Scripture in context, I was curious if you ever do any expositional teaching through a complete book of the Bible. I understand it is each individual believer's responsibility to be reading the Bible in such a manner. However, we also believe there is a value in doing so as a corporate body of believers and are unaware of how this has been done in previous years, simply looking for clarity of what to expect. This is a great question. Very good. This is a question I get asked uh, quite a bit. Um, mostly by, I'll say, seasoned Christians, seasoned churchgoers, um, some of the more spiritually mature Christians that have just been around, been around the block. And people have surprisingly strong opinions on, on this. There, it doesn't take long if you do any type of research to look at the, these two, and, and and there's more than two, there's really three main ones, but we lump them into these categories of expository preaching and topical preaching. Right. Those seem to be the two <clears throat> the two categories that people um, juxtapose and uh, pit against one another. And you'll see people say that expository preaching, and expository preaching, that word expo, expo it just means to explain. Yeah. Is it so you're just explaining the text and in a in a minute I'll get into there's different types of expository preaching and then topical preaching is just you're preaching on a, a topic right. and you're not necessarily explaining or diving deep. There's that word into one particular um, scripture. But there there are people that will say expository preaching is the only true form of preaching mm-hmm. and that anything else is unbiblical, that topical preaching is un- unbiblical. And there are people that would say that um, topical preaching is the only way to preach, and that expository preaching, believe it or not, is is not biblical. And both camps will certainly pull from Scripture, but the the main place that people will pull from is how did Jesus preach? And we talked about earlier that Jesus preached very um, culturally relevant mm. and and used things within culture that would have been explained. Those that fall into the topical preaching camp would say that Jesus preached, the majority of what he preached was was parables, mm-hmm. and they would say those were topical sermons. And then those in the expository camp would say, well, Jesus, you know, um, preached all the time. It was his regular practice. If you go and read Luke 4, I think starting like verse 19, it talks about how Jesus was in the temple reading and explaining and he actually pulls out the scroll of Isaiah. Right. And he reads it and <laughs> it's like the most baller sermon in yeah. history. Because <laughs> you oh, let me just read it. <laughs> it's too good for me to paraphrase. So let's see. And Jesus so starting uh verse 14. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. That, that's so good. Yeah. <laughs> It's just so good. So this is right after the temptation of Jesus. So yeah. Jesus gets baptized, temptation happens. Um, then fast for 40 days, he powers up after the angels bring him Chipotle. <laughs> I'm assuming it says they tend to him. They do. And, and then here we go, verse 15. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, this is something that Jesus did on the regular. He went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. That is amazing as well. <laughs> like he's just pulling all these strings. Yeah. People don't even know it. It's great. Yeah. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. 
He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he, Jesus rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. <laughs> and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. People are just waiting for him to say something. Like he just read this massive section of scripture from Isaiah, one that would have been very familiar to anybody that would have been in right. the synagogue at that point. And he looks at them and he goes, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And that's it. <laughs> that's it. Scroll drop. And all sp- <laughs> That's it. Scroll drop. It takes a while. Yeah, it it's does. Just, it yeah, kind of like... Unless it's rolled up, right? Yeah. yeah. And, all, who's, and uh, all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, is not this Joseph's son? And he said to them, doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, physician, heal yourself. What we have heard you did at Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. And he said, truly, I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. So this is Jesus doing expository preaching. And you've got about a trillion parables of him doing what some would consider topical preaching. But I want to I break this down a, a little bit. So this listener says, attending all your sermons have been top, topical-based. And that's what it seems like, but that's not what it is. It seems topical because the way that we structure series is there is a theme. And the theme could be the seven, these seven sins. The theme could be the grace. And it seems like we're kind of covering these topics, and we are covering these topics. But what I do is a different form of expository preaching. Within expository preaching, there's verse-by-verse expository preaching. Sure. This is what this listener was asking if I do. Yeah. Verse-by-verse through the book of First John. Am I going verse-by-verse, explaining it, giving the context, all of that? There's also something called thematic expository preaching, and this is also known as textual expository preaching. And what this preaching does is it explains a particular text. It's not going verse by verse through a book necessarily, but takes a particular text and expands on that. There's narrative expository preaching, and this is what Jesus did within parables, He's expounding on these biblical principles, and it's interesting now because the things that Jesus is saying, if we went through those verse by verse, people would say that that's expository preaching because we're explaining what he did. But Jesus did a lot of narrative. This is a lot of illustrations. You know, um, think about the parable of the soils. I mean, that's that's narrative. I mean, he's, he's telling us a story. He's, he's got uh, obviously seed and soil and thorns and rocks. These are characters within that, within that story. And then there's what they call topical expository. And topical expository is basically what topical is. Yeah. Let's say on uh, Easter, you talk about the resurrection, right? <laughs> That's what you do. That's a topical um, sermon that should be done expositorily, you're taking, whether it's multiple texts and explaining them, um, or you can, you know, take, you know, one text and expand on that a little bit more, but then you'd be back in thematic and textual. And what I tend to do is thematic expository preaching or textual expository preaching. And I see this as a valuable for, for many, many reasons. Um, I think that all forms of this are valuable. And I think that they're uh, of expository preaching, topical preaching. I think it's all valuable. It all has its pros and it all has its cons. And I'll say that word cons very, very uh, gently because, uh, you know, it's just, there's just differences and there's certainly some drawbacks to topical preaching. Um, And so 
knowing that there's value in, in all of it, what I see thematic preaching and textual preaching, um, the benefit of that, some of the main benefit of that, rests in application. There's a difference between a preacher and a teacher. And there, and we'll say, you know, if we're pastors, if you're a lead pastor, a lead preacher, there's a difference between being a lead pastor or a lead preacher and then a teacher, maybe at the collegiate level. A preacher certainly teaches, but teaches with the intent for application and implementation. They're proclaiming these truths from the Lord and then asking the Holy Spirit to go in and do a work in people's lives so that people can put these things into practice in their life. That's not what a teacher does. Think about college. Yeah. I had I went to Bible college. I had Bible teachers and I can't really think I really can't think of a specific time where the teacher decided to add and this is how you apply this Old Testament survey class to your life. It was very much just the giving of information where a teacher focuses on giving information, a preacher, a pastor focuses at least in a teaching pastor, and I'll say teaching, they focus on teaching with the intent of application and implementation. And I see the benefit of thematic um, expository preaching or textual exposition kind of being that that vehicle, one of the best vehicles for implementation. It's pretty difficult um, to, let's say we're going to go expositorily through the book of, and I'm going to choose a hard book, I'll choose an easy one. <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's just talk about, you know, Philippians. And um, I was going to say Leviticus. Yeah, <laughs> but I figured like, you would. Right, and then somebody would be like, well, duh, of course, Leviticus. <laughs> so let's just take Philippians. And I'm just going to kind of do this on on the fly. Um, Philippians is a very, very short book, so it's four, four chapters. So let's just say we're going to start in Philippians chapter 1 and open this up. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. There's two verses within Philippians. There's a lot to unpack there. Sure. Think about this, the phrase, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. That word servants can also be translated slaves. Slave. So now we have to open up the topic of slavery, and we can open that up, and we could spend literally an entire sermon talking about um, what slavery means in the biblical sense, mm-hmm. and um, how you know that language of God being our Lord, being our master, Paul being a slave, Timothy being a slave or a servant. We could talk about bond servant servitude. We can do all that, and we can piece that together and get a great, I think, probably some good application for something sure. like this. And then he goes on, I think, uh, my God and all my remembrance of you always uh, in every prayer of mine for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. There's another two verses. There's not a whole lot there that we can glean from. I thank my God and all my remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine for you all making my prayer with joy. Okay, so we could maybe talk about intercessory prayer there, but that's maybe a bit of a reach because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Okay, well, then we need to keep going. I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work and you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Well, now we've got something maybe that we can hang on to. And so the challenge uh, for expository preaching and sometimes the limitation of doing verse-by-verse expository preaching is that implementation and application can be difficult without taking giant chunks again. But if you're taking giant chunks again, then you're not necessarily going verse-by-verse. You're doing more 
thematic textual exposition where you're taking a chunk of scripture and explaining it. And so what I have found is that uh, for my um, style of preaching and my style of study, that taking chunks of scripture uh, within, I'll say, thematic series like the Grays, and the Grays, the chunk of scripture we took was Romans 14. That was a giant chunk, and we read the whole thing in the first series, or the first sermon in the series. And so taking that and then using that as a launching pad to explain these different culturally relevant topics kind of brings the best of both worlds. Now, am I saying that verse-by-verse expositional preaching falls short in application? No, I'm not saying that it does in any way, shape, or form. Um, It can certainly be done, but you're not maybe necessarily going to go verse by verse and explain every single verse because every single verse has application and implementation in it. And I think if as a, and this is just my, it's part of it's my preference and part of it is what I feel um, is most beneficial in the call right, that pastors get, which comes from Ephesians 4, we're to teach God's people to do God's work. That's what we're to do. We're to equip God's people to do God's work. And so we need to explain what God's work is, and then we sure. equip them to do that. So there needs to be implementation in that. I think verse-by-verse verse exposition is great. I think it's a wonderful thing. Uh, I don't think that if you want to go verse-by-verse verse and you're like, I have enough time to explain two or three verses, that you're always going to have some type of application in that. That's more uh, of a an academic pursuit and study, and certainly there's application that can be had from you know, reading scripture, all scriptures, God breathed, it's all useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness. Uh, the word of the Lord is living and active, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Like, all of it's good, but where I feel uh, a particular call is for that implementation and application for people to take what is, you know, being explained and being expounded upon within scripture and then going, this is how we apply this to our everyday everyday lives. And so, to kind of get back to the the question, um, there's value in doing so as a corporate body of believers. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that um, and are unaware of how this has been done in previous years. What I typically have done and what will I typically continue to do at this point, and I'm planned out for the next three years, two, two and a half, almost three years, is thematic exposition. I'm not a topical preacher. It seems like it. Yep. It feels like it, but I'm, but I'm not. Just think about yesterday. Think about our launching point from yesterday. Jesus saying, I am the door. I took a chunk of scripture and I explained everything. This is what a sheepfold is. I mean, and we read that section of scripture multiple times yeah. and I expounded on that. Textual exposition um, was done and then we were able to apply that to our lives, hopefully in a relevant way, going, okay, we're not taking the escape landing, First Corinthians 10, 31. The other thing that I really like about textual exposition is it gives more of an opportunity to, and you can do this within expository preaching um, verse by verse, but it's but it's very, very time-consuming and difficult to do, is you can use the whole of Scripture. There's something inc- incredibly beautiful about being able to use the whole of, of Scripture within this textual um, and thematic expository type of preaching. Like yesterday, I was able to use, you know, John 10 and Jesus' words that I am the door, and then connect that to Jesus' words in Matthew 7 saying, knock, knock on the door. And it, it shows the unity 
of Scripture, which is a wonderful thing. Now, can you do that again with verse-by-verse expository preaching? You can, but if you're going to go verse-by-verse and start bringing in um, cross-references to to validate, then you're almost starting to move into that territory of more that thematic or textual exposition, particularly if you want to have that application and implementation. There are some wonderful expository preachers out there that use verse by verse. I think, um, you know, I think of guys like John MacArthur, for example, who, you know, just, he dug through it and over his, I think, I think I'm right, but he's been in the pulpit for 50 years. That's crazy. And it took him 48 years to go from Matthew to Revelation verse by verse. That's, that's what he did. And it's so, I mean, it's, <laughs> it takes a long time to drudge through that sure. if you do it, if you do it right. Yeah. In, in my opinion, doing it right is, is taking that and kind of diving, diving deep into it. I have series that I have written um, that are verse by verse, but I still try to put themes sure. in, in them. Those may be on the latter half of like 2025 is yeah. when those are kind of maybe rear yeah. um, out of that um, pile of idea to, you know, flushing it out. Right. But I see value. I see value in in all of it. Um, so, yeah. yeah, I think moving forward to answer, your, you know, look for clarity on what to expect. Probably expect a, a lot more of what we're doing now. That's, that's where the Lord kind of has um, has me going right now, but I am very willing to change if that's what he wants to do. There are some that say if you don't do expository preaching that you're skipping parts of the Bible. That's kind of that that big argument as well. Sure. And again, I don't, it took 48 years to go <laughs> just the New Testament. Yeah. So I, I wouldn't accuse John MacArthur of skipping the Old Testament yeah. necessarily. Um but I think some of it, again, can be divisive. There are some that will fall. And that's not, it doesn't seem like this listener is doing that in any way, shape, or form. And again, I really appreciate this question because I get um, asked this question quite often by more seasoned Christians. Like, what do you actually do? Yeah. And so I'm not, I'm not a topical preacher. I, I will be. But even, but look what I did for um, Easter. Yeah. I am the resurrection lands on Easter Sunday and right. it's a part of a series. And so it's not topical in nature. It's next on the next on the list. Right. It's discusses the topic, but it really will explain yeah. the text. And um, so, yeah, what you have thoughts on this? Yeah. I mean, I think it's a, it's a question of benefits and certainly I think, you know, I would lean more towards expository preaching, certainly in my own style and in my preference. Um, part of that is because I, there have been times um, that there are certain texts that I have seen historically be not necessarily avoided. Like people are like, oh, I'm afraid to talk about that. That's not the case. It's just a matter of, um, you know, sometimes we're going to naturally be drawn to certain texts or sections or passages over others that maybe feel less applicable or less um, easily explained and stuff. And so there's some benefit to the reality that when you're going through Scripture, you will be forced to interact with with sections that maybe are not the quickest to go to. Um, another benefit that I've seen is where... Um, is just seeing how a passage sits in the overall context of an entire book or letter. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's value there. Oh, for sure. But, I mean, just like you said, you know, MacArthur took 
48 years to yeah. do what he did. I know Piper has mentioned that it took him 10 years to preach through Romans, which right. no surprise, it's Romans. Right. But still, um, and, and that's not a bad thing. That's what the Lord called them to do in their context and in their church as the shepherds of their church, deciding what the Lord want, is leading them to do yeah, and how absolutely. they are to shepherd through the word. But if you um, think of the logic a, of that to say that, you know, verse by verse expository preaching forces you to, to, you know, look at all the scriptures, but it takes you 10 years to get through one book. What about all the other? <laughs> well, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, it's yeah. like you have to analyze, like there's almost a, there's a cost. There because is. Because yeah, if to you're going to spend all the time to be here, it means you're not going to be somewhere else. Yeah, and so, yeah. um, you know, there are benefits to that. And if the Lord is calling a particular pastor or preacher or, or whatever to do a, a certain section of, of scripture over a certain amount of time, yeah, then that's a good thing to do. Yeah. But equally, you know, there's going to be other pastors who are landing somewhere else in scripture doing the same exact thing, and right. they're going to be missing. You, you know what I'm saying? So sure. we have to decide what is the Lord calling us to teach and preach? And, you know, um, the other thing I think about is, is personality too, is right. like we're not all given the, um, I, I think it takes a certain amount of ability and a certain gifting to be able to preach in a certain manner and be able to connect it in application. Um, that's incredibly difficult sometimes if you're if you're kind of doing what you're saying, like the verse by verse or or taking those smaller right. sections and stuff, especially if you're more of an intellectual teacher who's getting really deep into context, getting really deep into I'll say weeds, but I don't mean that in like a jab, like, oh, no, they're I getting get distracted. Yeah, right. No, there's a lot there to un to to open up and unlock and to to kind of dig into. And so I think it certain people are given the skill to be able to preach in a much deeper manner, but still be able to give something that's digestible to like the right. normal person. I think one of the challenges is, you know, we, as preachers, as teachers, as pastors, we read articles all day long. We read lots of books. We uh, have degrees, we get education, we do all these certain things. Um, but we have to remember that the people we're, we're shepherding aren't there. Like that's not where their brain is. That's not where their mind is. Their mind is in their everyday life. And how do I live for Jesus? How do I walk with Jesus um, in all of life? And, you know, I think sometimes we can get caught in theological weeds where we're really interested in one, you know, really crazy off the wall thing that's interesting to talk about. And theologically, um, it's intellectually stimulating but it's probably not going to affect anyone's day-to-day -day life. Whereas we could perhaps simplify some things and give them Christ. Yeah. Uh, and that's what's going to affect their everyday life. So again, I don't say that to like denigrate anything because no. I think on the flip side with topical preaching, sometimes you're going to preach things. Um, I'll say it this way. I have seen people be so, some preachers be so committed to that expository preaching that there is an immediate need for perhaps them to address something, but because it's not in the upcoming text, they won't touch on it, mm. and their body needs to hear from them. I see. Yeah. They need to hear from God's word on a particular topic, perhaps. Right. And yeah. so I think there's got to be a balance. Yeah, I think there's know? pros and cons yeah. to, to all of it. I think where you know the danger lies is making it a divisive sure. topic to discuss where... If you're not doing verse by verse, then you're in error. If you're not 
doing narrative expository preaching, if you're not using parables, I, I think all of that, you know, can be so divisive. And I think you're right. I mean, the, the personality of the person that God has called or given the opportunity to do that plays a major role in something like that. And the body plays a major role in something like that. Um, you think of, uh, We'll go back to John MacArthur because he's just such a well-known um, verse-by-verse expository preacher. Yeah, he's got a college. Yeah, and a lot of the people that go to his church go to his college. Sure. And so these are people that are in the mindset of sitting down in more of an academic yeah. setting, and that's not to to take away anything um, from what the Lord has called MacArthur to do. And MacArthur is as fallible as anybody. Right, you know, just yeah. just like I am, and and you are, and so if the Lord has him doing it that way, then that's right. what's best for his his sheep, I'll say, right, or the Lord's children. Um, then that's what he needs to to do, as long as we can stay unified. Yeah. And the biggest thing is context, like using, and this is the danger of purely topical preaching, where you're cherry picking verses, is that you're not right. looking at the context of. The danger, of, yeah, of what you're actually talking about. So yeah. you'll say things like, um, <laughs> Jeremiah 29, 11, baby. Yeah. Like God <laughs> wants me to prosper. Yeah. <laughs> That's what he wants. Yeah. And you know, you put it on the, on the sign and you put it in your kitchen. Right. And it's like, well, that's not what that, that's not even, close it's not to for you. Yeah, yeah. It's not for you. It's not for, yeah. um, you to apply to your life. And so context really determines, determines yeah. meaning. And, one of the things that we do here at Hope, um, because Sunday mornings aren't uh, an academic teaching necessarily, sure. uh, is we have our small groups, we have our Bible studies, our men's and women's studies, where you'll see them maybe slow down a little bit yeah. and and go through a particular book. I mean, that's a lot of what we do, yeah. is just go through a, a book. I mean, right now the women are going through Exodus, right? Right, yeah. Uh, and the men are still doing the, was it Dust to Glory yeah, series yeah. where they're going from the beginning of the Bible all the way through. Right, and that, that setting is a little bit more apt for that yep. because it, it, when you read and go through and slow down, you're naturally mm-hmm. going to have questions, and on Sunday sure. morning uh, during the, the sermon, is it's not the right time to, to ask questions um, yeah. in that setting, and there's just too many people there to necessarily do that. And so... It winds up um, being a better environment in that small group environment or that mm-hmm. Bible study environment. So I see we see the value of yeah. of all of it certainly, but yeah, yeah a lot of it's just, just based on yeah, you know, for me loving the the two worlds and feeling as a preacher called to help people like examine themselves and go, okay, like I'm not being salt. I'm not being light. I'm not carrying out the great commission. Like I'm not taking the escape routes. I'm not growing. I'm not really worshiping. I'm not serving anywhere. I'm not telling. So how do we do these things? Yeah. And it's not a drive or a push where I want people to question their faith. Well, I do want them to examine sure. because again, works are evidence of that, of that faith. And so we wind up talking a lot about Christian living because ultimately What's our job as Christians to go and make disciples? And so part of how we make disciples is Romans 10. It's by sharing the gospel message. And the other part of it is how we live. And so we teach people the gospel message and then teach them how to live 
Um, I meet with, you know, people, um, parents sometimes that are like, how do I, you know, get my kid to be excited about the Bible and, you know, getting the word and are you excited about it? You guys reading at home? Yeah. You guys doing anything at home? Well, well, <laughs> well, well, <laughs> I do a lot of Southern folk counseling. <laughs> Apparently so. Counseling. They come in from Medina. If they don't see it, why would they, why, why would you can't be like, oh, this, this book, God gave us a book and it contains everything we need. Yeah. And if I'm a kid, I'm like, why don't we read it? Yeah. <laughs> why don't we read it as a family? Yeah. And so part of it's, part of it's living as, as yeah. well. Um, but this is a, a wonderful question. Yeah. yeah thank um, you for, for asking it. It's really good. Yeah. Moving on. Would love to hear testimonies featured of you guys. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. That's fine. Jared, what do you got? <laughs> uh, yeah. So me, um, I was raised, it's not going to take her long. I was raised in a Christian home, uh, was a goody boy. Thought I had it all together um, and, you know, was super involved in church. My dad was uh, a pastor and, you know, I kind of leaned on that goody boyness. You know, I was never into anything. I never did the bad things. Mm. I was, I was helping at church. I was, I was doing all kinds of good church things. And so um, in my high school years, I started to kind of come to understand, you know, the grace and mercy of God and in my life and to see that, you know, I've been leaning on my goody boyness and that's, that's still just complete crumminess before the Lord, before the holiness of God. And, you know, I can, I can try and keep my life together and look pretty on the outside, but on the inside, I'm struggling with lust. I'm struggling with uh, pride. I'm struggling with, um, you know, control, wanting, thinking I'm in control and not wanting to give control my life to Jesus. And so, um, the Lord brought me to a place of real repentance in high school. My my time, I think, when I really came to trust Jesus, um, so I got a little bit ahead of myself. Coming to trust Jesus, you know, I prayed a prayer when I was really young, um, and, you know, and I, I think that's meaningful. Um, I think a place of real volitional trust in Jesus came at the age of, like, 11, 10 or 11. I had a I had an experience at, at uh, camp. Yes. I went to a church camp. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So, Love camp. <laughs> yeah. That year I did not have a camp girlfriend. So, oh. you know, that's, that's part of the experience of camp. I didn't, I didn't get to have that. that really? Yeah. But I'm, I, I had a great experience with Jesus and. You do um, not have one camp girlfriend, but you had many camp girlfriends. <laughs> and the camp girl, girlfriend you have now is not. <laughs> I don't know why I did that. Fantastic. I like that. <laughs> Anyway, so yeah, no, it's okay. So I was at I was at a church camp, and uh, you know, I again, I had been kind of the good boy going to church, and my my parents were super involved at church and everything. It was just a way of life, and so I I didn't have that from like darkness into light, like clear cut like transition. But I had a clear moment there at camp where I was just like, you know, my this needs to be my own, mm-hmm. um, and it was kind of an encouragement. I think it was a theme of the camp was just like, hey. You can't you can't ride your parents' coattails in their faith. Like it needs to be your walk with Jesus. And I realized, like, yeah, I need to be uh, intentional about that. And you know, I believed I, I trusted Jesus and everything. So I, I look at that as kind of a moment of, you know, you know, coming to a real moment of faith with with the Lord. And so over those next high school years was that kind of realization that I was leaning on my own goodiness 
uh, as a way of feeling good before the Lord. And I'd stand in judgment over people. That was that pride. I'd stand in oh, judgment okay. over others. Yeah. And, you know, you don't have it together. What's wrong with you? Yeah. Um, and then internally struggling with lust and, you know, struggling, with, you know, honestly coming into contact with pornography and stuff like that, but still yeah. hiding it and having this like nice, clean exterior. I pride myself on, you know, I was the ki- I was a homeschool kid, but I, you know, I wasn't super, super weird. Like I, I, I was always like filled with pride at like how, uh, adults would, would be like, wow, you're so, you can have a conversation with me and like, wow, he looks me in the eye. Like it's just stupid stuff mm-hmm. like that where I'm just like, yeah. oh yeah, I've, I've got it together. I'm, I'm good. I can, I'm not just some regular kid, you know, I'm, a, I'm above average or whatever. I, I don't know. Um, overall just like pride and that kind of stuff. And so yeah. again, look, going back to where I got ahead of myself, it was then in my high school years, I started to really grapple with my own sin and grapple with the reality that, you know what, until I'm really repenting, until I'm really trusting in uh, the work of Jesus on the cross, I've got nothing. You know, I can't, I'm not going to show up in heaven and be like, Hey, look at this shiny exterior. I, I look really good. Right. Um, and then hiding all this internal stuff that I hadn't given up um, that I hadn't repented of. And so, um, yeah, that's kind of what that looked like in terms of how that turned into, you know, sensing a call to ministry. Yeah. I was going to ask, how did you, yeah, that was, um, it was interesting because there was a clear, there were, I see clear moments in high school and then after high school, um, of, sensing that call and that call being affirmed by people mm. that I trust, whether it was uh, my pastor or another trusted uh, person. But before that happened, I look back and see that, that I really found that my gifting and kind of my passions were in church ministry. Like even, I even look back and like, maybe this is meaningful, maybe it's not, but I look back at it and feel like it's connected is when I was, kind of that 10, 11, 12 year old age, um, I started participating in our kids ministry, not as just a kid, but as like a, like ministry assistant, like someone who kind of helped, uh, lead things and stuff. And so it was me and a group of other kids. And so we would help teach, we would lead songs. We would do that kind of stuff, like leading worship, that kind of stuff around that time. I got a guitar, uh, and started learning guitar. And so I started leading worship and stuff and was finding a lot of fulfillment, but also just feeling like this is, this is my stuff. Like this is, this is where I really come alive, you know? Um, and I, I didn't really think about it, but looking back, I was just like, yeah, I I did that stuff because it felt like the right place for me to be. Like, that's the stuff I was supposed to be doing. And so in high school, um, or no post high school, I had multiple conversations with pastors and and things. And I had a really great mentor relationship with, uh, a guy who eventually was my best man in our wedding, but he was the worship pastor of the church I was at. And he kind of just became this mentor to me, uh, mentoring me both as a worship leader, someone who's aspiring to to grow in that, um, but also, you know, helping me to see how playing music on Sundays is not just playing music. It's, it's shepherding people through lyrics. It's shepherding yeah. people, you know, um, there's a pastoral component to that that's super important to recognize and to grow in um, and to steward, you know, and so that was huge. My conversations with him, my relationship with him was a huge springboard for me to grow in my understanding of, of pastoral ministry and also come to a place of wondering, you know, these things that I've been doing in this sense in my, this, this feeling that I've been sensing in my heart, my, you know, is that really the Lord? Is that, that, that call? You right. Know, is that what that yeah. is? Um, 
And so I had multiple conversations with him. I had conversations with our lead pastor and stuff. And I remember uh, somewhat it somewhat culminating in um, in a moment with with them where they put hands on me, like on my shoulders and just kind of prayed for me. And it was like this moment of affirmation of like, yeah, we see in you, we affirm this, uh, this call in your life. And that was really meaningful to me, really helpful for me to see and almost uh, a moment of encouraging me to be confident in that call. Yeah. Um, and so, th- I mean, that's something I've encouraged other people who are like, how did you know? And it's like, dude, it wasn't just an inward sense. It was also something that was affirmed by trusted spiritual advisors. Um, it's important that it's, it's not just something that you're, that's going on with you, but if other people can't see it, other trusted people can't see it, then you need to, think deeper about it and you yeah. know, maybe wrestle with that with the Lord and kind of see uh, what that really is. That's a tough thing to do. It is. Yeah. It's very tough. It reminds um, me of, um, and I'm not reducing the call to ministry to this, but you think about, you know, like American Idol or those shows sure. where, and they always seemed to every, every episode early on in the episodes highlight somebody that thought they could sing. Right. And then you've got all these industry titans. Mm-hmm sitting behind a desk and they come and the person comes out and they sing and they're like, Oh, you can't sing. Yeah. And that's a, it, it's almost, and those are hard conversations to hear. Right. But they're also hard conversations to have. Yeah. You know, um, for sure. As a, as a pastor, right. You know, you mentor people yep. and they're like, you know, I, I feel this call to, yeah. I mean, you, I experienced it when I was leading worship. I, yeah. I had people come in and they're like, you know, God told me I was supposed to play guitar for him. Right. And I'm like, I don't, you're not ready yet. Yeah. You're just not, you're not ready. Um, and, um, those are, those are tough conversations to have. They are. Yeah, for sure. So it, I mean, that's a great example of, you know, if, if God's calling you to play guitar, he's gonna, he's also going to give you equip the relevant, you. he's going to equip you with yeah. the relevant gifts. And maybe that's on a timeline, you know, it's not right. always, certainly I think, you know, sometimes you can sense the call and later on, and it's just not the time yet. Right. Yeah. You know, yep. even, <laughs> Even Paul, you know, Saul right. uh, was called and then he disappeared for three years being equipped by the spirit in quiet solitude, you right. know, yeah. uh, and then he shows up and he's this, you know, church planting guru going around and uh, <laughs> the church planting doing, guru. Yeah. Doing, <laughs> being the Paul that we, the apostle sure. Paul we know yeah. who's just, um, you know, God used him in really powerful ways. So um, anyways, so going back to, to kind of my story as far as that calling goes. Um, yeah, that was a pivotal moment for me of, okay, I feel confident stepping into this. Cause up until that point, I honestly didn't know what I was going to do with my life. I'm like, what was your first ministry job? My first ministry job. I, okay. So I don't know if this would count, but I was in, if you say poppies, I'm going to lose it. (laughs) (laughs) I was the pastor at poppies. I was the poppies pastor. Oh my gosh. Uh, so my first, paid uh church thing uh i was a full-time intern uh and i was leading worship regularly i was running rvbs i i did all kinds of different things at the church you grew up at the church that i grew up yeah Yeah. and i had the opportunity that was a great opportunity for me to kind of again test those waters of yeah you know you hear the i think it's pithy uh someone says you know uh if if you can do anything but ministry, do that. Right. Uh, that. And if you can't do anything but ministry, 
do that, you know, yeah. do ministry. And, you know, I don't think you can reduce the call to that, but right. I think it speaks to it. Um, you know, I think of like, there's, I can't remember who, who was saying it, but it was basically like, you know, there's that desire we see in scripture of if you desire the office of an overseer, you, you desire a, a no, it's a noble task that you aspire to. Yeah. Um, so it's not a bad thing to want. Um, but it's more than just desiring it. Are you qualified and has the Lord really called you to that? And part of that is that if you can find yourself ignoring that call and finding fulfillment elsewhere, you're probably not called because I think it's an irresistible calling. Um, at least for me where it's just, you know, there, there are things in the world that call to us and say, ah, I want to do that. I want to do that. That's great. And whatever. But it all comes back to this of, I, this is my place. This is where I belong. Like I can't imagine doing anything else. You know, yeah. there's other things that I enjoy doing certainly, but that's not to say like, if I wasn't doing this, I, I'd have a problem. And there've been times in my life where I'm vocationally not doing this, but I still find myself doing an awful lot of it. We just came <laughs> you know? out of a period of that. Yeah. Where I'm bivocational and I'm working full time, yeah. uh, doing something that's not church related, but I still found myself spending time with the Lord's people doing pastoral work yeah. just naturally. Um, and that, I don't say that to like boast or anything. That's not what I mean. I'm, what I'm saying is like, it's just an irresistible part of what the Lord has called me to do and how he's equipped me of yeah. where these are my people. Like I can't imagine if that's why I, he made you. Yeah. And yeah. so, um, so yeah, so I think all those things come together and into who I am today. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's interesting, you know, a lot of people have different testimonies. And um, one thing I'd say as an encouragement is that I struggled with that whole idea of testimony. Yeah. You know, because people are like, oh, what's your testimony? He's like, well, I was in a biker gang and I shot people and I did drugs and I did this and I did that. Right. And then the Lord saved me and now I'm an angel. Right. You know, <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's like, wow, what a testimony. And then you look at yourself. Like right. I looked at myself and like, well, I grew up in church. I've been One time I shoes. thought about stealing a piece of candy, <laughs> right. but I didn't. I put it back. Speaking of stealing, <laughs> we had a big church rummage sale. Uh, at the church I grew up at oh. when I was really little. <laughs> no, I'm, I was like, we did? Not, not us, not hope. This <laughs> and was, all your stuff is gone. This was, <laughs> oh, this is okay. Like, Anyways, was, back to my testimony. Okay, this was like 25 years ago. Okay, so I was 56. And you were, you were still the young age of 56. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I remember there was this McDonald's toy that I did mm. not have money to buy. And I yeah. swear it was like 25 cents. But it's like, who wants this junk? And why are they bringing it to the church to sell? Anyways, yeah. they did. And so I stole it. Did you really? I did. And I stole from the church. Wow. Isn't that awful? Well, I mean, you probably wouldn't have hired me if you uh, knew that I had a history of stealing from churches. Well, you're actually McDonald's toys. Listen, I didn't think you were a uh, sinless fellow when we hired you. Thank you. (laughs) And that is but a sin, my boy. Yeah. (laughs) But give it back or clean out your desk. So that's my testimony (laughs) as I stole McDonald's toys until the Lord met me and stole my heart. No. Um, yeah, so I'd say there's encouragement is like your testimony is not that you were some like we think of sin like on this spectrum of like right. not that bad to like ooh, really bad. Right. When in reality, it's like Jesus is over here and all of all of possible sins of mankind are all like this tiny little speck all the way down here. Right. And there's this this chasm that's insurmountable. Right. Like there's no way you can overcome, even if the only sin you ever did was you lied, or even if the only sin you ever committed in your entire life was you, you stole that tiny little 25 cent McDonald's uh, toy. Your testimony is that the Lord performed a miracle because yeah. 
the problem was not that you did that one little sin. The problem was that you were spiritually dead and God made you alive with Christ. Anyways, that yeah, that's just a little bit about me. It's one of those things where it's like I, I find it hard to figure out how, how deep to go in this part or <laughs> right, that part right. where it's just like I do better when people just ask questions, you know. <laughs> uh, so that's that's a little bit about well, my life let me, growing up. Let as, me ask you questions then. Oh, boy. Um, so I think when I – I don't know if you remember – I think it was somebody's wedding at the buckle, maybe, maybe Dana's wedding, one of them, but you and Sarah and I wound up at a Panera. Yes. South Park. Yeah. During, before the reception. Right. And I was trying to tell you, you got to try these cookies at Panera. They're unbelievable. Okay. And I think you, you had one, but you and I were talking then. And at that point, um, you had discussed maybe wanting to, to be like a lead pastor, be like a teaching or preaching pastor mm. at some point. Um, and I remember in like our early discussions of, well, and you, you went to Texas and yeah. you and I, I mean, I wouldn't say we stayed in contact <laughs> very much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like every a couple times a year, I feel yeah. like we would. Remember, I sent you a picture of me and your dad. <laughs> oh, that was such a weird day. I'm like, huh? I know. <laughs> what is that? Yeah. Well, I was at I was at another church, and so he, weird. He knew who I was, and he's like, "I'm Jared. How's dad?" I'm like, "Let's take a photo." <laughs> I sent a picture, and I think I put I, no caption. Yeah, I just sent you a picture. just sent it. Right. That was so weird. <laughs> and I think your reply was, "What?" <laughs> that <laughs> sounds about right. Something like that. Um. But I felt like every, you know, every couple of years or every year or so, we would just stay in contact. And, yeah. And it was, I could feel that um, yearning you had to be in ministry. And you'd be yeah. like, hey, what's going on at Hope? Yeah. <laughs> you guys hiring? Is anybody hiring? Yeah. Like, um, and you, one of the, some of the early conversations, and I'm, I'm bringing this up because you're preaching this this yeah, week. Yeah, for sure. I'm super excited about oh, thanks, about this, and um, that's hopefully going to be a good time. But as well, <laughs> <laughs> that's what we're hoping for. Good, yeah. <laughs> good luck, Jared. <laughs> good luck. That's um, be great. So when we started kind of these um, early conversations of you coming here, yeah. one of the things I asked you know is kind of where is that desire in your heart? And you said something that was so interesting to me and i think this is where i lacked as a worship leader mm. um i i focused so much on the maybe the music portion of it that i forgot about the shepherding portion of it and mm. you you shared how you felt the lord was leading you to shepherd be pastor people we use that that word mm. through through music can you talk a little bit about that how did you get how did you get to that yeah that for place? sure and um yeah, so that that calling is is to shepherd certainly, um, and the, I think the way I would phrase it, you know, there have been times, especially in those times, in between times, I think that was one of those in between times where we were at that Panera and just talking, and I'm yeah. just kind of exploring, you know, what's the Lord doing right. through His calling? Because I had come out of a ministry position and was kind of in this in between where I was I was trying to follow the Lord, trying to do what He's wanting me to do, but not sure what that looks like in that season and trying to figure out, you know, what's What's next yeah. and how can I best prepare myself now? And is it going to be a lead position down the road? Is that something he's calling me to? Is he calling me to just be a part of a pastoral team to, um, you know, one of the things I was growing in my desire for was that, that preaching, um, you know, desire to do uh, and feeling like a call to do was, uh, was 
a preaching component and I wasn't sure how that would play out. And, yeah. I, and so the way I've thought about it historically is that I'm called to shepherd people, whether that's going to be in this position at that church or this position, the Lord's going to, the Lord's going to open that door and lead yeah. me clearly where I'm supposed to go. Um, you know, so where he, he's called me to shepherd people is at Hope Christian Church as the guy who's playing guitar. Yeah. And that's what he's calling me to do. And so how I've kind of landed there in terms of music specifically, I think is just learning about the heart of the Lord through music, what he does in, in the body and and, yeah. and what we're meant to do as as worshipers and as you know, we talk about worship. I, of course, it's more than just music on Sunday mornings, sure, but yeah. specifically, that's right, a, that's yeah. a major component of what I do here is yeah. music. And it's and so, well, it's the term we use. Yeah, yeah, yeah for know. sure. Uh, so, laying that on the table. Yep, we know. <laughs> so, worship <laughs> right. is all of life. It's everything we do. We we know specifically to corporate gathering and the and the songs we sing and all yeah. that and what it looks like to shepherd hearts through that. I think it grew out of a. I was really dissatisfied mm-hmm. or unsatisfied, not dissatisfied, unsatisfied with what I was seeing in the worship world. Um, what specifically? So I'd like to open this up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, for think, sure. So uh, the music we play, yeah. the the songs we were singing, the, you know, we would latch onto these big artists and create almost an experience Uh but it was lacking in scripture. It was lacking in doctrine. It was lacking, I think, in a real mature understanding of how the Lord has called his people to gather. Um, you know, one of the most defining moments for me in the past couple of years, I've had multiple defining moments, but I think a, a major defining moment for me was my time in Texas uh, six years ago. I, you know... I feel like at that point I was relatively mature as a worship leader, relatively mature um, as a believer and, you know, seasoned at that point, having had a ministry position and having been grappling with this call for, for probably 10 years at that point. And, uh, and yet again, I had this moment where I was just like, I feel like I had my eyes opened, you know, Mm -hmm. and this was at a conference we had at the church down there. And someone named Matt Boswell uh, came to the church. Uh, to He was an area worship leader. And he preached on suffering and how we shepherd through music, the suffering in our church. Mm. And it was a concept that I was just like, there's so much more to what we do in music. And I just never thought about it of the reality that when we come together we are ministering certainly music is the is the transportation or the means by which we minister God's truth and God's word yeah. um in you know into people's hearts and minds and and certainly their mouth as they, as they sing um but it occurred to me that I as I'm as I'm planning and as I'm, I'm looking back over the years of even just like a, a teen who's le- learning to lead worship. So few are the conversations of what songs are you preparing for the brokenhearted? What songs are you preparing for those who are coming to this place who um, just lost a baby? Mm-hmm. Are you, are you singing only, uh you know, the celebratory songs that completely ignore the reality that we walk through suffering and we need a savior to latch onto. We yeah. need a hope 
to, to latch onto in those times of brokenness. And so that was certainly something he, he kind of focused on in his, in his, uh, talk at this conference. And it was, it was just kind of eye opening that I'm not here to, um, you know, I'm not up on a platform or I, I don't have a guitar to come up with these amazing transitions, uh, primarily. I'm not there primarily to play amazing chord progressions. I'm not there primarily to play great lead lines or to sing really, really well or to do any number of things. I'm there to shepherd people who are living their lives and they need the Savior. Yeah. Um, and so are we singing songs that have any content at all? Mm. Are we singing songs that are saying anything meaningful at all? Um, this really got me thinking about you know the big names in worship over the last uh, man, 20 years at this point, Hillsong. Yeah. It's been around a long time. And I remember just doing a ton of their songs and not thinking about it. Just, you know, you, you're just not, you're it's not popular. testing. Yeah. It's pop. It's what's popular. It it's catchy. what everyone's saying. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not to say like Hillsong doesn't have good songs. We still do some Hillsong songs, sure. yeah. Hillsong songs. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, some of the songs that they write are really good, but, um, there's so much more out there that we can be giving to our people and there are songs that are closer to repeating scripture explicitly that I find are incredibly helpful. You know, we do a song, uh, we just did a song yesterday called His Mercy is More. Yeah. Um, and it's a song, incidentally, written by Matt Boswell. It's a song that focuses on the reality that um, that we need mercy. Yeah. And it's a song that, uh, I've grown to love for multiple reasons. I mean, it, it seems simplistic, but, um, you know, the lyrics have just become so meaningful to me. What love could remember no wrongs we've done omniscient, all knowing he counts, not their sum thrown into a sea without a uh, bottom or shore. Our mm. sins, they are many. His mercy is more. Um, the, obviously it's written to be like a modern hymn, but it's, it's, it's catchy. It's words that I feel like, are these songs that apply to Christians in all places at all times? Yeah. Or are these songs that only really meet the American Christian who's doing pretty well? And you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so this song, His Mercy is More, it was playing when Addison was born. Mm. Uh, it's a song that I sing to her at night before bed. Mm. It's a song that when I introduced it at church, I said, this is a song that our hearts need. You know, there are a number, and I'm not saying this song specifically, I'm saying songs like this that help us, um, take us to a deeper, uh, that have deeper meaning, I think, than just this, this surface level. That's the thing is like, there's a balance in song selection between songs that are, you know, I think about it like a meal. Like there are some songs that are, you know, it's yummy whipped cream. Mm. You know, and it's a delicious, you know, maybe some that's like ice cream. It's super easy. And then there's other things that are like really chewy meat. Yeah. And there's a lot there, but it's, it's, there's a lot more sustenance there. And so, um, I think about those things, but anyways, going back, going back, I'm sorry, I'm getting into no, kind of the weeds is, and stuff. Going back to great. what it looked like for me to grow into this heart to shepherd through, um, through music. I think that was a secondary component to growing in my understanding of what a shepherd is, is meant to do. Yeah. What does scripture really call us to do? Are we called to be, to have a great personality that people like, are we called to build a brand? Are we called to, um, 
to be a visionary? Are we called to be this? Are we called to be that? You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> uh, are we called to be a, yeah. some dynamic leader? Yeah. Are we called to write books and be someone that other people are trying to book for their conference? Uh, you know what right. I mean? I know. There's, I know. there's the, there's the visually appealing parts that some God has called some people to. Right. Um, like MacArthur is this, um, well known legend. Yeah. He's written, a com- <laughs> he's written commentaries. He's, you know, Piper, he's written how many hundreds of books, right. like other people. Yeah. Um, there are people that for whatever reason, the Lord has chosen to elevate their voice. But if we set out seeking that, yeah, we're already wrong. We're already just, I, I think you're already, your trajectory is completely like, you need to stop what you're doing. If you think that you're setting out in ministry to do those things, um, it's about you. It's not about the word of the Lord going forth. It's not about, you know, building up a church. It's not about making disciples. It's not about shepherding souls. It's now about what you're going to do and how cool you're going to be or how, uh, how, uh, well-known you're going to be. And yeah. Uh, and so it's a tough thing to balance. It, it is so tough. Yeah. Um, because at the same time we are called to be in front of people. Right. We're called to right. proclaim the word and we certainly want to grow in our, in our ability to do that. Well, I want to grow in my ability to be a good musician so that as I play it's, it's helping us sing songs, but the reality is, and I've told our team this, um, or at least some of our team, when I've had the opportunity to talk about this is we're not the point. Yeah. Uh, Like we're there providing music so that people can, so that the congregation can sing to the Lord and to each other. Um, and so if at any point we become the point, we failed. Right. Um, you know, it's not about me. It's not about any one of us. It's not even about you or me or whoever's preaching. It's about the word being proclaimed, and it's about Christ. He's he's supposed to be first and foremost in our gatherings. And so if ever he's not, then we failed. Um, and so it really comes down to the reality that people don't need things. They need Jesus. Yeah. I need Jesus. You need Jesus. Uh, like, this is why we practice communion every single week, remembering the gospel. It's right. foundation to everything we do. Um, you know, Paul said, I, I chose to know nothing among you except Christ, Christ and crucified. Him, him crucified. <laughs> right. You know, this reality that we come back to, everything comes back to the reality that, of Jesus. Yeah. Um, and so if I understand that, that shepherding people really means giving them Jesus and showing them how to give other people Jesus that's the that's good work yeah. that's what we're called to and it's not glamorous and it's not super happy all the time and oftentimes you're doing funerals and walking through counseling and getting gossiped about and people don't like the way you did this or did that and yeah. it's hurtful or um you know ministry is hard it's not glamorous and if at any point you're pursuing something that's glamorous you're per, you're not pursuing ministry you know we're called to feed the Lord's sheep. And we do that through different avenues. I happen to do it right now through music. You do it primarily through the word. Yeah. Uh, and we work together as a team doing that. Um, but it's, yeah. So anyways, coming back to worship as shepherding, it falls on that foundation. We're leading worship is one avenue of that. You know, you're doing one thing. Mark is doing one thing. You know, yeah. we're all a team working together to shepherd this particular local church um, that God has called us to. um, But it all comes down to, are we called? Are we qualified? And do we have a heart for God's people? Because we're going to be judged on how we treat his sheep. You know, that's something we're going to be talking about this week is uh, the Lord, you know, Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. Well, that points back to the old Testament where God is furious with the, 
the leaders and spiritual uh, leaders of his people who, instead of shepherding them, instead of caring for them, instead of feeding them, manipulated them, right. abused them, gained from them. Uh, the I think it's Ezekiel 34 where God casts judgment. He declares judgment over the shepherds of Israel and says, hey, you're fat and well-fed and you're well-clothed and my sheep are starving mm. and scattered and not protected and are naked. And um, yeah, so it's a heavy thing yeah, right. <laughs> what we do. It's a heavy thing before the Lord what we do. And it's something that, um, you know, I think, Satan is constantly trying to get us to focus on ourselves, constantly trying to turn it into a glamorous thing for us. Not only for those that are on the stage, but for those that are in the congregation. Yes. And which is why the worship wars right. are what they are. And I won't right. say were what they were because they still they oh, still sure. exist. Yeah. And it's almost and it's a part of what makes it so challenging is it's it's almost <laughs> set up to to make us fail in that way think about you know the i don't know what the stats are i've never looked this up but i would imagine a, a lot of people in their life will you know at least in our world today now go online it used to be you would wait in a line i remember when van halen it was 2000 i think this would have been like 2001 i think van halen was coming and I, you know online wasn't what it was then and so i waited in line and got to the place to get tickets like at four in the morning and, and waited and there were already people there but but we will wait in line we'll buy a ticket to go see people and we'll drive and we'll spend money on gas and we'll fight the traffic and we'll fight the crowd to sit mm -hmm. in a seat and it'd be way too loud to watch someone on a stage with a guitar or a microphone sing a song under some lights and it looks the same it church yeah. in a sense you know we're not buying a ticket certainly but we'll we'll drive to a location similar we'll, elements we'll, yeah. we'll get up in the morning and we'll wrestle with our kids and yep. and try to get them to church and we'll have our, our our you know or we'll shift our work schedule around so that we can get to church and then we walk in and we sit down and there's a person with a guitar and a microphone under okay. some lights and so it seems so familiar to yeah. the world that often our response to it is that of which the would be similar to to the world's response to i'll just say rock i'll just choose that sure. like, a, like a rock concert yeah which brings in the elements of people you know internally maybe accusing those on the stage of being up there for themselves and right. it's you're just trying to this isn't a rock show this is yeah. church and 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 so it gets really confusing for people this doesn't happen with in my uh, role here at the church as much. There's outside of of church, the majority of people aren't going around and spending their time and getting up in the morning or you know like similar to like a like a rock show, buying a ticket to go see somebody speak. Outside of like a, maybe a stand up comedian yeah. or maybe a motivational speaker, but that's not as prevalent as as music. Music is just ev everywhere, and so being a former worship leader, having those conversations with people and going, no, no, no it's the heart. Like, I know this looks the same. <laughs> I know it maybe sounds the same, but it's it's the heart, and it's really challenging. Well, it's it's impossible for anybody to really know your heart. You don't even know your heart. I don't know my heart. Like Only God knows our heart. Sure. But I think, you know, just having people, uh, and I, 
appreciate you sharing your heart sure. <laughs> about worship. I, and I think the majority of people that listen to the podcast are people that attend Hope Christian Church. And, yep. um, you know, them knowing that that you recognize and, and you you get it. You know it's not about you and it's not about uh, the band. It's it's not about the, the melody even. Yep. You know, it's about honoring the Lord and ministering to his people and shepherding them through music. And if it happens to sound like um, the world or look like the world with some lights, these are just things that we we like. Yeah. That's the hardest thing. I, I've had people over the years, you know, why do you guys have the colored lights and the LEDs? Because we like them, and they're not prohibited in Scripture. And, and some people would say, well, I find them to be distracting, um, but at, at the same time, I've had people <laughs> say the the opposite. One of the one of the oddest Sundays I had as a worship leader is I've always after the service just stood in the atrium and just yeah. talked to people. I like I like people, and I had um, there was a line of three people, and the first person said, "You got to turn it down. It's just too loud. It's so distracting. I can't even hear myself sing." The person right after them said, you have to turn it up. It's too <laughs> quiet. I don't want to hear myself sing. That is, that is a true, that, that happened. That's so fantastic. I'm not making, and I was like, am I in crazy planet? Like what's happening? <laughs> like, and everybody, and granted where you sit in the room can make a little difference, sure. but not that much of a difference. And so it's just a lot, it was a lot of preferences. Yeah. And so. What would your encouragement be to our people on how they can prepare for the music portion of worship? Yeah, on a that's Sunday? really good. That's a great question. Yeah, going back to like the elements that we choose to use here at the church, some of it's preference. A lot of it is just contextual. You know, if we were a church in the middle of Amish country, certainly things would be stripped down quite a bit because of the people we're ministering to and the tools that the Lord has provided for us to use that enhance. Um, how we connect people with Jesus. And so in this particular context, God has given us particular tools and we minister to a particular people. And so we use those tools and we do our best with them. And certainly we're constantly kind of, you know, there's kind of an ongoing grappling, like even as you're talking through it, like I feel in my heart, like, are those the right things? Should we right, be changing yeah. that? What should we, well, what can we do better? Every time I talk about a zip line, <laughs> you, you're always like, no zip line. Well, it was really the the elevator coming up out of the stage with all the fog. Well, that's where I was just like, you know, that would be pretty cool, but I don't know. Only I if mean, I'm dressed as Darth Vader with a red lightsaber, oh, that would be I cool. See. That would be really awesome. No, I mean these are real things to grapple with, yeah. and I don't. And I think if we're not talking about them, if we're not discussing, if we're not thinking deeply and honestly praying about them, we're kind of setting ourselves up for failure. Because again, there is that draw to like, ah, oh, this feels cool, or that you know, I can feel the bass thumping. Ah, oh, that makes me feel like you know. There's always that if if you have it on the stage with a with a guitar and you feel like your guitar sounds awesome, um, then you're not sensing something that I felt almost weekly for the last <laughs> 20 years. And you know that too. Oh, Just man. There's this, there's this yeah. draw to be, you want to be the focus. You want yeah. it to be about you. You want people oh, to think yeah. you're awesome. Yep. Uh, that's the temptation. That's an ongoing temptation. It's a temptation anyone who's been on stage is going to feel. Yeah. And you know, I think for those of us who are in ministry... We a lot of it is utility. We use a stage so you can see who it is. 
we have screens up and lights and stuff so you can read the screens. And so it, you, we create a certain atmosphere and help people kind of focus on the Lord and not focus. It, it kind of helps you kind of, Hey, we're at church now we're together. Um, you know, you kind of stepped in from the outside world. Let, let's try and like kind of leave, um, you know, leave the, you know, the sweat of the day, as some might say, like kind of back in, in your car, maybe you were in a fight in the car on the way to church. Let's focus on the Lord now. You know, yeah. that's one of the struggles we have of coming in together to try and, um, you know, you ask that question of how can we prepare? Sometimes we just can't be prepared because like I just said, sometimes we're fighting on the way. I mean, <laughs> sometimes I just got in a fight with Sarah on Saturday night and I'm supposed to come in on right. Sunday morning and yeah. like just try and be focused. And like, maybe there's still a part of me that's just like, you know, and yeah. I'm still like harboring anger at, at my wife or, or frustration or, or any, you know, any number sure. of things. Uh, maybe there's times, you know, I, dude, I remember um, a number of years ago, and this is a s- small part of my story. I, I, I don't think I've hidden it, but I haven't explicitly told it. Like, our st- my Sarah story is that for um, for a long time we walked through infertility mm-hmm. um, and lost a number of uh, pregnancies, and so part of that, going back to what we talked about, my heart in worship is to be sensitive to the people in the congregation who are living in different circumstances. Yeah. All of right, them. right. Anyways, I remember um, like four years ago. Um, it was a Saturday night, and you know, if you've walked through infertility, if you've lost babies, if you're yearning to be a parent, and the Lord hasn't led you to that yet, hasn't hasn't given you that particular, um, brought you to that season yet, you know the pain of seeing a Facebook announcement of someone's pregnant. Yeah. Every single one is a dagger in the heart. Every yeah. single one is just. It, and it's not that you're angry at the person. It's not no. that you want their baby or don't want them to be experiencing that. It's none of that. It's that you want that so badly too. And you wonder, you know, Lord, when, when, if ever, right. You know, are you going to give us this gift? And so I remember it was a Saturday night. It was like 1130 at night and I'm just sitting there in the dark, just, uh, just so, so troubled in my heart. So like just hurting, um, and I remember I called one, well, I was supposed to lead worship the next morning and I'm mm-hmm. just like, uh, uh, like I am not in that, <laughs> that space. That, yeah, not in that head space at all or heart space. If mm-hmm. you could say that. Um, yeah. so I called one of our, one of our pastors just like, dude, like you got to pray for me. I, I don't know what to do. Um, so I understand the reality of coming to church and not being at church, if that makes any sense. Oh yeah. You're so caught and and I don't mean this in a bad way. You're so caught up in what's going on in your life. Um, and again, I, that sounds like, Oh, you're just distracted. That's not what I'm saying. You're not just distracted. People have hearts and people go through really difficult times. I know what that's like. And I know what it means to come into this place with all of those, that heavy heart, the, the burdens of, you know, maybe it's financial. Maybe it's not, uh, maybe it has nothing to do with kids. Maybe it's financial. Maybe yeah. you're just so burdened and so anxious and so worried. Maybe you are, um, relationally, maybe your marriage is on the rocks and you're just so troubled. We had another fight. I thought we were going to have a good morning. Just, I was really trying to make sure we could just get to church without fighting and we couldn't do it. Yeah. Um, maybe it is your kids. Maybe your maybe your kid refused to come to church and you just, 
just said whatever and walked out the door and didn't know mm-hmm. what to do. Mm-hmm. And you're here and, at the church and you're just so troubled by that situation, so worried for your child, wondering like, are they just going to reject the Lord? Whatever it is, it could be any number of things. This is why it's so important to me that the songs we sing are giving you Jesus. Yeah. I don't want to give you pithy statements. I don't want to give you lyrics that, that sound awesome because they go along with a beat a right. particular way that say nothing. I want you to experience the goodness of of Christ, the goodness of the Savior. And I mean, that's, that's something we're going to talk about this Sunday again is the good shepherd. He wants to shepherd you. He's calling you. And if you know his voice, you're going to come and he's going to bring you comfort. He's going to feed you. He's going to protect you. He's going to provide for you um, and provide for your heart. And so all that's to say is like one of the ways you can prepare to be here in worship and gathered together is to simply know that all that garbage that you're dealing with, all of the heaviness of life, all of the hurts and the pain and even the sin that you just committed again, um, you know, last night or whatever that makes you feel unworthy. All of that is safe to bring to the Savior. Mm -hmm. All of that is safe to come and bring to church with you because when you come together, the reality is, is the person next to you is probably dealing with all their own junk too. And we talked about this before in terms of sin, but in terms of life and struggle, we're, we're called together to be a people who comfort one another and are the active hands and feet of the Lord to one another. And so if we come in and, and feel like we have to hide everything and, and that, you know, to sing to the Lord, we have to hide everything before we can do that, then that defeats the purpose that the Lord has called us to be vulnerable people together who are needy for him and who are needed by one another. So I just, I, you know, that doesn't sound super practical, but uh, I just want to encourage anyone who's who's feeling that way or coming to church and just not sure how to uh, bring all of that, just come anyways. Come before the Lord because he's ready and willing and he wants to uh, he wants to shepherd you. And one of the ways he does that is through his people, yeah. through that gathering. Um, what does Jesus say? It's not the healthy that need a doctor. Right. It's the sick. It's the sick. <laughs> so uh, so that's one aspect that I, I immediately yeah. go to is, is the person who's just not feeling like they can be there. Um, I remember there were times that we were supposed to be a community group and we just lost a baby. I'm just like, I, I'm sorry. I don't want to be around any of you. Yeah. I don't want to be around anything or anyone. Yeah. And I just want to be left alone. Cause yeah. quite honestly, I'm, I'm getting really like, I'm frustrated. <laughs> I'm frustrated and yeah. I don't want to talk to anyone about it. Just leave me alone. Yeah. Um, you know, we felt that way a lot. Um, so I understand that come and be with the people of the Lord. Um, mm. he's, th- that's one of the avenues he's called us to participate together, both brokenhearted and who are strong, who are encouraged to be encouragers of the ones who are discouraged. Um, and ultimately we need the word, uh, we need, we need his word. And so coming together is one way we, we receive that another practical way. I mean, uh, this is, this is an actual like practical thing you can do to be prepared for Sunday morning. Uh, we have the weekly newsletter, What's Happening at Hope. Sign up for that because in that at the bottom, we right. have the songs listed. In, and so if if we're introducing a new song, it'll be listed there. So you can you can actually prepare and know ahead what songs we're going to be doing. Yeah, I mean, good. I don't think it's a bad thing if you want to be familiarize yourself with those songs, right, if you're great. not, so that you can yeah. come together and not feel like you have to be glued to the screen, but just enjoy hearing uh, you know, everyone in the room singing these songs and really think on the lyrics that we're singing again. 
it's my hope that we don't sing only songs that are simple, but some songs that maybe have some complexity to them and, yeah. and give a, are a little bit more meaty in what they present about the Lord and the theology that we're singing and, and the way that we're worshiping the Lord and what we're worshiping him for. And so uh, if we happen to do a song that's a little bit thicker, it's good to know what that, you know, to spend some time listening to that song beforehand and get to know it. And, you know, that's a, that's a very practical thing you can do uh, just to prepare to be a part of the church. And again, you mentioned something along uh, of someone saying that they didn't want to hear themselves, um, you know, <laughs> to turn it up. You don't want to hear yeah, yourself. Yeah, it's like, yeah. we've been called together to sing you know, yeah. just like we've talked about, if you don't like to read, well, tough, God gave us a book. <laughs> right, yeah. Well, if you don't like music, we've talked about, it's like, yeah, that can be difficult sometimes, but the Lord has chosen music as the avenue with, through which, you know, one of the aspects of worship is music, is singing. You know, that's not just a cultural thing we chose to like, well, we're called to worship and there's lots of different ways we could do it. The Bible doesn't really say how. Right. No, <laughs> like singing songs, right. hymns and spiritual songs. So so hymns, songs, spiritual songs, sung together in corporate worship to the Lord and to one another. That's how we build up the body. And so when you come together and if, you, if you're able to prepare and really sing out with courage and even if you don't have a good voice, that's encouraging to the people around you because you are singing. So let me put it to you this way. We just talked about people who are hurting. If you know, if you are being faithful to the body and you're walking alongside the people uh, in your community, whether that's, you know, your small group at the church, or maybe you go to the men's Bible study and you, you are relating with, with some of the other people there. How encouraging is it when you come together on Sunday morning, you know what they're going through, yet they're singing out His mercy is more or or some other right. lyric that's just like, you know what that means to them at that yeah. point in life and how encouraging that is to you to see what the Lord is doing in them and how He has brought you together into community together to hear one another singing those songs to him and to one another. There's a reason why that builds up the body, yeah. not just in our knowledge of the Lord, but our knowledge of, of what the Lord's doing in each other. Um, so know the songs. There's a great way to do that. Yeah, that's good. What's happening at Hope. So that's a practical thing. Um, you know, I, I think regular worship at home, we've talked about that, whether that's, you know, through prayer and and reading scripture or even singing songs together as a family. Some people some people do that, some people sing on their own. Yeah. You know, it prepares you to feel like this isn't that weird that we're singing to the Lord. Again, this is an all of life thing. So the things we practice as a body are not meant to be singularly focused on the body, although they're uniquely experienced as a corporate gathering. They're things we practice through our week, scripture, prayer, singing to the Lord, those things, those, those practical aspects of worship prepare us for the gathering. So yeah. I'd encourage you, if you're not singing much on your own, you're going to feel real weird when you get together. And if you do anything once a week, you're yeah. not, not going to get familiar with it and you're yeah. going to feel uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, if you, if you play an instrument, you practice it once a week, you're not going right. to, you're progress. not going to be very good at it. <laughs> if you work out once a week, yeah. if you only diet once a week, right? <laughs> anything you do once a week, yeah. it's going to take a long time. Yeah. So anyway, so those are some, yeah, some good, of my man. initial thoughts. I'm, I'm sure there are more, um, but um, I, you know, honestly, I'd love to hear from our listeners. What are some things they do to prepare for Sunday mornings to, to get their yeah, heart ready, to right. get their soul ready? Uh, I would love to hear that. Uh, so, yeah, feel free to send that in at uh, podcast at hopechristianchurch.com or text it at 440-HOPE-222. <laughs> so anyways, no. Yeah, That's that, great, man. Thank you for for sharing all that. Yeah, I think it's for important. sure. 
uh, I've been here for 12 years and you're old news. (laughs) (laughs) Very much so. (laughs) Emphasis on the old. Yes. You're what? 68 now? 68. Wow. Just turned. That's crazy, man. You look great for your age. I (laughs) do. I really do. Are you a vampire? Well, let's not talk about that. Uh, Um, yeah, but I mean, you've, you haven't been here very long and you know, I got the lead worship here for five and a half years. And yeah. I've been able to preach here for, it'll be seven years this year. So it's amazing. Going on year 13, wow. 12. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I just appreciate you sharing and, and opening up and yeah, I can tell you're passionate about it, which is great. <laughs> <laughs> I like you lean forward and you're pushing the mic. Through. It's good. like over there, right? Grabbing well, your why shirt. Are Listen you to choking me. me? <laughs> That's weird. I just asked a question. <laughs> I'm the problem. Oh my gosh. Yeah, this is good. Well, I think that's it. Yeah, that's it, man. We're out of time. Right. That yeah. was good. Yeah. I felt like it was a good conversation. Hopefully what I shared was helpful for people. I think it was. And, yeah. And uh, yeah. Let me so. ask you one silly question. Okay. Do you like your name? That's a great question. <laughs> and if you don't, um, what would you want your name to be? Oh, that's fantastic. I don't know what I want it to be, but I've gone through times where I just d- don't really like my name. Like, Jared. really? I don't know. It's just, I don't know. The times that well, make I mean, me if really... you say it like that, Jared. Jared. <laughs> 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 I don't know why yeah. you're in a 1930s gangster. Yeah, who's it going? It's Chad, see? Look at him. I heard the boy stole a little toy. Okay. He's a crook. Uh, so one thing that makes me not like my name is that most of the time when I order something that requires someone to either write down my name or call it out, yeah. uh, they get it wrong. They, they Looking at you, it? Starbucks. Uh, both. Okay. I've been Jerry. I've been. Oh, uh, Jerry. Okay. I've been. I've been Jerry. I've been jo- Jordan. I've been. Uh, oh, there's all kinds of stuff. Um, I wish I could name them all. I I listed them one time on Facebook and was just like, look, this is what I'm dealing with, people. I, I think it was like twelve <laughs> different variations of my name. None of them correct. Yeah. Um. So, uh, but Jerry is a big one. Jerry. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that name. It's just it's not mine. So it's right. like I feel like I wish I had a more dis- like distinct name. Um, like Carl. I don't want that name, but like you're probably not going to get the name Carl mixed up with something else, right? I, I'm, I'm not. See, yeah. see, yeah, yeah, that's right. Right. No, I, I like my name. I just, uh, I, I can't think of a replacement that I'd want it to be. Has, do have people called you? You know, besides just mishearing, Mark. Any- they think, mostly okay. Mark. They'll call me Mark. Is that based on not anymore? The likeness of it was the likeness. Okay. In fact, my first week here was when I was here. I'm sec- certain that's why Mark wears contacts now. I think so. Yeah, I was here secretly, just visiting a couple, you know, months right. in advance to, to, you know, when we were first talking <laughs> that's about me coming here. You wound up accidentally baptizing someone. That's right. I was just like, oh, <laughs> guess this is like, what I'm doing. Today. Mark into this room today. <laughs> I'm like, what? oh, okay. <laughs> Everybody's applauding. Mark's so good at baptizing. <laughs> Um, yeah, I was just sitting in the, in the, uh, worship center in the back. Um, and, uh, and someone was like, Hey Mark, can you Mark? Oh, you're not Mark. Oh, sorry. I'm like, yeah, "Yeah, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Good. I'm glad I don't remember who that was. So you're fine with the name Jared. You just find with it. Find frustration every once in a while. Every once in a while. It's not a big deal either. It seems like when you're ordering. It's to the point where I like, I'll be almost disappointed that they won't mess it up. Really? You know, it's kind of like, eh, what new, what new version are you going to come up with person? Um, so yeah, I, I don't dislike my name. It's, you got a middle name? I do, what as is, as most most people do. What is it? Uh, it is 
let me ask you this first. What what do I look like my middle name is? I how is that? That's unanswerable. No, it's not. I you say you is. look like a uh, the first name. Oh my gosh. Okay, whatever. Middle name. No, let me see. Let me see. Jared Thurston Howell. Of course. <laughs> uh Andrew. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yep. Andrew is my middle name. Jared Andrew Howell. Yep. They say that syllables need to match. Do so they? That's what they say for good. Jared Andrew. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's a little bit there's right. a little bit of a better right. cadence. Two to one. Yeah. Interesting. What right. so yours is Neil, Neil David. Neil Nemeth. David. Yeah. So that doesn't match. Your name's screwed up, dude. Oh, I, Have you thought about changing it? No. You could change Neil. You could say it Neil David. Neil. Neil. I think when I was born, syllables were not invented yet. Uh, That's what it was. Wow, you are that old. Do you still clap when you count syllables? They uh, taught us to do that in school. It's a valuable. I, yeah. I'll be honest with you. I think semi-recently I have just to count for some odd reason. Okay. I don't know. I, I do, yeah. I, I think it's helpful. Even if I'm not actually clapping. Mentally, you're clapping. I'm clapping. Yep. I'm going, Neil. <laughs> Neil. <laughs> Neil. Yeah. Is it Neil? Is it Neil? Or is it Neil? It's not important. It won't come up again. I think it's just Neil. My name is misspelled all the time. Yeah. Yeah. N-E-I-L or N-I-E-L? N-E-I-L is yeah. what people... Always spell it. I wish, uh, and I still will try to lie to people and convince them that this is the truth, but I wish that your real birth name was Cornelius and you just go by Neil. I had heard from Chad that you were trying to convince him. The fact that, the fact that people feel the need to ask or to follow up or to bring it up is proof of my, how does this even come up in conversation? You're like, Hey, you know, that Neil guy, that's not his real name. No, 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 no. I'm really good. at. I just slip it in as like a side fact, you know? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm really good at lying. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> Sarah, I only, are you listening? <laughs> I only pull that power up for, uh, pull, pull that power is out. Is that a for, power? <laughs> it's, it's something to be stewarded. That's for sure. No, I, uh, I, I just I find it so manipulation. <laughs> no, I just enjoy messing with people. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah. Every once in a while, so I'll pull that one out. Chad was ninety nine point nine percent convinced, but there was that that point one percent. But the fact that he had to ask, the fact that he even felt the need to bring it seems up, seems like failure to you. No, it feels like success. Well, failure on his end. Oh, I don't yeah, think yeah. of him as a failure. No, <laughs> it's not that he failed. It's that I was successful in, okay. in planting little seed. Of, Good. Hmm. That's yeah. my hope: is that anyone yeah. who who kind of starts thinking about it, like. Neil, is this true? <laughs> That's fantastic. What did you do? What did you say? I was like classic Jerry. <laughs> always, always, Jerry Andy, you know, all that Jerry. <laughs> classic Jerry Andy. That's fantastic. No, he, he Chad said, um, "Jared's trying to convince me that your name is Cornelius." Fantastic. And then he kind of waited, mm. and I was like, "Yeah, you're." I'm no, it's it's Neil. And he's like, "I knew, I knew that." <laughs> And, and yeah, he did. And he I did. Know. Yes. <laughs> we love great? you, Chad. Oh, You're the man. best. He is the best. Well, like good. I'm glad guy. you like your name. How about you? It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I have no problem with it. People call me Nick. Oh. But I've been called Dean more than anything. Yeah. Which is so Dean. interesting to me because I don't know any. I know one Dean. Yeah. And But I've been called Dean so many times in my life. I'm like, do I look like Weird. a dean? 
kind of do. Dean to me strikes me as like kind of a, like not a greaser, like a like a sixties. Thinking like, like Dean Martin, just like uh, sleek. Um, sleek, sleek, in like <laughs> I've never been described as. Sleek. No, I mean like um, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> no, Dean, like cool, like cool, please. and no, 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 just yeah. like kind of cool and calm and collected and like just kind of like mm, he's a cool dude, Dean. What's your name, Dean? <laughs> yeah, I yeah. knew it. I, yeah, you seem calm and cool and collected. <laughs> well. <laughs> That's part of the facade. <laughs> On the inside, it's a hurricane of thought. <laughs> well, this is great. Thank you so much for opening up. Thank you for yeah. your questions. Yeah, man. Don't forget uh, to email your questions to podcast, yes. singular podcast at hopechristianchurch.com, or you can text to 440-HOPE-222. Oh, my goodness. Getting good at that. We're getting slower at it. I know. Two, two, two. Two. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, everyone. Right. We'll see, see you next week. <laughs>